Warning. Explicit content. Listener discretion is advised. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Muse Podcast. Episode 13, Briggs and I welcome to the barn Irish Harper and singer Regina Delaney. Regina is not only a solo artist, um, she's a good friend. I've known her for forever. She is part of the duo, the Irish Harp and Whistle duo, Ray Gancha, and uh, she's probably best known for being the founder and the director of the New England Irish Harp Orchestra, which is a story in itself. Uh, I've been lucky to work with uh, Regina, like I said, a couple of times. I was very happy she was willing to come on and talk about being creative within sort of a standardized genre like Irish Harp. But it's not all music talk. Uh, Regina plays two beautiful pieces and uh, tells us some stories about her tour. She just got off tour uh, touring through Germany with Tim O'Shea. So there's some really interesting stories, some road stories on that one. Um, There's also some talk about Woodstock, uh, which she almost made it to with her friend. And uh, I was uh, extremely surprised to hear what they did with their tickets when they found out they couldn't go. So uh, if you'd like to get in touch with us, The Muse Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and you can always go to themusepodcast.com, click on the Contact Us button, and uh, speak your mind. If you have uh, an idea for someone who would be great, uh, this is the second to last uh, episode of the season. Uh, We have one more in the uh, season one, and then uh, we'll be booking pretty much right away as soon as this podcast comes out for season two, uh, which we'd like to start up in uh, middle of February 2017. So if you know someone who would be fantastic on the podcast, or if you have any questions or comments, like I said, musepodcast.com, hit the contact button. All right, enough of me. Ladies and gentlemen, Regina Delaney.
that's so beautiful. It's great. Yeah. Regina, come on over. Sit down. Regina set up a little bit uh, uh, away from the, uh, from the sitting and talking area. Okay. We're looking at... Uh, well, first, hello. Hi. Hello. That was beautiful. Thanks, Duncan. What was that called? So, um, there's a story behind it. Please tell us. <laughs> That's kind of why we do this. So, <laughs> so good start. So, it's called the Huron Carol. And one of the members of the New England Irish Harp Orchestra brought the carol to me because we're always looking for holiday music. We do a lot of holiday concerts, and there's very little Celtic music for the holidays. So she brought this to me. Now, years ago, we recorded another um, holiday piece in A minor called Sean de Noel. And I, I didn't like it, and a lot of the members of the orchestra didn't like it. It's very dirgy. So she brings this tune to me, and it's an A minor tune that I find extremely dirgy. And I'm like, <laughs> thanks, Mary. <laughs> oh, my God. So... <laughs> So I I take it, and usually I try and get the Christmas music ready during the last two weeks in August to go up to the camp in Maine and kind of I'm by myself and I'm kind of listening to the tune. And I'm like, what am I going to do with this tune? And and the other thing that really bothered me about the tune is that the lyrics were really terrible. It was written by a Jesuit priest for the Huron Indians back in the like late 1800s and. Oh. Just, is it like, just give us a general idea. Is it's it like, a, like, is it a requiem or is it a? No, it's like a carol. Like Gichigumi and Jesus Christ are going to get together. Oh, and yeah, I mean, yeah, it's really, <laughs> it's just, it was really awful on so many levels. <laughs> when when was this carol written? Like, I don't no, know. I mean, like forever ago. Oh, like forever a couple ago, hundred years yeah, ago. Forever ago. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. So I so there was nothing about this carol that was appealing to me, but I was kind of desperate because I needed music for the orchestra. <laughs> So I was just trying to think, okay, how can I do this? And so I was coming up with the arrangement, and I kind of liked a couple of things that I did with it. And then I just started hearing a lot of other notes going in, and I'm like, oh, I think there's a jig there. And that's when I wrote the jig to go with it. And now I like the piece a lot better. <laughs> <laughs> it's beautiful. So you, so there's, uh, there are two parts, mm-hmm. right? Um, was that how the whole thing was set up in the first place, or? Well, that's how I set it up for the orchestra. I would assume the just the carol was done by itself. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. So did you? So how did how did uh, it was Mary? Right. How did Mary bring this to you? Was it a recording or? No, she just brought the sheet music. Oh, you got the sheet music, yeah. right? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So you started by looking at the sheet music, and the sheet music, if I understand, for this kind of stuff, is going to be basically like a leech. It's like melody and. Yeah, I'm trying to think if there was a left hand for this. If it was kind of pianistic, and I don't really remember whether it was just just the straight because I'm. T- well, in like lots of times in traditional Irish music, they'll they'll just give you the melody line, because m- most of the time there's no not accompaniment. But I can't remember whether this carol actually had accompaniment with it or not. Right. Wow. So you so so you start with the carol, you go through the whole thing. It wasn't set up for a jig, and then you made it into that. Yeah. So I've noticed. Uh, okay. So let's back up a little bit. Right. So. Uh, I know that uh, you and Briggs are, are meeting for the first time. Uh, that's not the hey, case. I, right, I've, I've worked <laughs> with you a couple of times uh, in the past, and that's uh, I'm kind of under underselling it. Um, actually, I think I was there the first time you recorded, like, for real, right? You recorded with Mark Tanzer? Yes. Mark Tanzer came to your you, house yeah, yeah, or yeah, something, yeah. right? Yep, mm-hmm. Jesus, that was with, like, ADATs or something, right? That was Oh, before- the whole, my entire living room was 
covered with recording equipment. Yeah, it used to take a lot of recording equipment. Briggs and I uh, yeah. like to talk about the early recording stuff. Usually, well, it depends because yeah, let's just get something out of, out of the way. Do you record yourself like professionally? No, like I mean, you usually have somebody. Oh yeah, you yeah. Go to a yeah. studio yeah. or whatever. Right, right. So, right. right. Mm-hmm. So that like. Puts you as an outlier with most of the people right. on this podcast. Most of the time, the government is like, "What's the first recording yeah. thing? Did you?" Oh, get? I had a broken boombox. Oh, it's great. We threw it down the stairs. Yeah, that's a real story from a different podcast. So, right, I, I've done little tapes of myself. No, 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 no. I'm not trying to. No, yeah, I'm no, not no, saying no, it. I know. But no, so, so, right, and so early on in recording, if you wanted, so, so, you, the first recording you made was at your house. Yes. Mm-hmm. So I think yeah. So I was part of that one. I remember. Um, asking Mark, Mark Tanzer uh, had a bunch of equipment. And mm-hmm. he was, this is a, I haven't talked to Mark in years. Mm-hmm. He's basically the person who taught me how to mix. Brilliant man. Mm-hmm. Super nice. One Super of the greatest nice. guys. He was. He was Worked really with some sweet. fantastically huge people. A, you know, he's a, a super professional. Yeah. You know, has done some big albums that everybody would be, you know, I don't want to put him on blast, but he's a really great guy. Mm-hmm. He was. He was. Really and uh, I remember saying like, well, there's so many, there's a lot of stories there, but I remember going, yeah, you know, we should go up and do this, and Regina was going to do this, and this is the first time you had basically recorded professionally. Oh, absolutely. Real, I right? had no clue what I was getting into. Mm. I remember, the one, I'll tell you one of the things I remember about that day. Do you? Yeah. yeah, you and Mark were coming, and you were setting up, and we were going to be eating at some point, and I'm in the kitchen, and I'm cutting tomatoes, and you come in, and you grab the knife out of my hand, and said, what are you doing? I said, well, I'm cutting tomatoes. He said, you're not going to do that before the recording. Suppose you cut yourself, and I'm like, <laughs> I hadn't even thought of that. <laughs> I don't remember that, but that definitely sounds like something I would say. All of this effort goes into getting like all of this equipment out of, you know, the into vans and up and recording and right. set the whole thing up and And she cuts her finger. And she goes off. and goes slonk. Ah <laughs> damn. Like that's the end of it, right? And right, you're like, could you just wait till tomorrow to do that? You know, here, let me cut that for you. I never right? even thought of that. Well, I don't think I'd ever been in that well, I was still relatively new to recording, sure. but I, I would never I had never been in that situation myself, like mm-hmm. watching the talent. Do something that could put the entire <laughs> project. Actually, that's not true. I have been in Just times in a different kind of way. Yeah, <laughs> I have been around when the talent's doing something. That's, that's usually uh, purposefully self-destructive. Yeah, that's self-destructive. It's going to super jeopardize the session, right? But then you can't stop them. But anyway, <laughs> no, it is beautiful. What was the name of that uh, that that recording? That was also a Christmas recording, Nolug. Which is Irish I do for Christmas. Remember that, yeah, that yes. had a really, really nice cover and the whole yes. thing. Yeah, it, it, the cover was drawn by R. P. Hale, one of the artists in New Hampshire. Yeah, yeah, he did a beautiful job. On yeah, it. it's obviously it's still a beautiful album. Do you still sell that? <laughs> yes, like on the third or fourth printing of it, it's kind of hysterical. Can I call how 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 fucking crazy that is? <laughs> <laughs> the first recording you made, which was in the ADAT days, which. To you, wow, all you young persons, it's, it's older than you. So, yeah, I mean, wow, right? And it's still, well, the thing is, I like to believe that the reason why people buy something or listen to something or appreciate art has as much to do with the context and the setting and the point and the expression that comes out from listening to it, from recording it. That was so pure like you just so wanted to make it beautiful and you made it beautiful and when you listen to it it's beautiful so it doesn't matter that it was your first recording or any of that kind of stuff that wasn't it actually i'm wrong yeah i didn't think it was it wasn't no like it 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 was was, um yes 
That was my solo. Yeah, that's the first right. one. Right. That's yeah. what it was. I forgot about that. But that's we did the same thing, though. Pretty, we did the same yeah. thing with uh, yeah. with the no like thing. Yeah. You, like you just came in and blasted it out, right? Yeah. Yeah. I I'd forgotten. Jeez, I'd forgotten about that. <laughs> yeah. It, uh, I'm sorry. Then we were talking about the wrong. Uh, well, do you still sell the, the solo one? No, no, um, I've never had it. You know. Ah, uh, well, my point just went the fuck out the window. <laughs> well, the thing of it is, <laughs> I don't even know if I have Not any really. the master right. for that. I don't even know where that is. <sighs> That's kind of interesting. The master for something in the ADAT era would be on a DAT tape. You know, those are little little mini digital. They look like little Mi- VHS tapes. Oh yeah, I I know I don't have that. I, yeah, I can, I'm pretty sure I don't have that. I could call Mark. I could call Mark. I'll be. I mean, someone like Mark would have everything. He's so much more professional. I might be afraid to listen to it. <laughs> oh, I have a copy of the CD. If, if you just want to hear the CD. No, I have the CD. Yeah, okay, right, right. But yeah, anyway, so, well, okay, so the point, oh, well, soon after that, you recorded another one that you're still selling. <laughs> do you remember anything about the... Uh, well, I'm going to backtrack to yeah, the please first do, one. Go ahead, I yeah. mean, it because I had come to you because I was playing with two other musicians and we had talked about making a recording and then that whole thing fell through. And you're the one had said to me that, why don't you make a recording? And I'm like, because I don't know jack shit about making a recording, and nor do I feel competent enough to do that. And you said, make a tape of some of your stuff and I'll listen to it. I totally would never have done that. And honestly, Duncan, I have to thank you because that one recording opened so many doors for me. So I sent you the tape and you said, sure, there's plenty of stuff on here, which totally blew me away. And we did make that recording. And it was because I remember you're saying to me that you, you know, at that time, I, it may very well, it's, I'm sure it's very different now. You said you can't be considered a serious musician if you don't have some kind of recording. And that recording opened up a lot of doors for me at that time because a lot of people looked for that, you know. And um, so that was kind of amazing. I would never have done that. Not in a million years. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, the way you're characterizing it is probably not exactly what I was trying to communicate. Mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't I, I wouldn't say you wouldn't be a serious musician, uh, you know, just if you don't have a, a recording. I think it was the other way around. I know that you were you were starting to play shows or you wanted to play shows mm-hmm. and you wouldn't, especially considering the time, if it was eight ass, when would that be, man? That'd be it's like, kind of a broad range, right? Yeah, like nineties. Yeah, it was yeah, the 90s, definitely nineties. Yeah. 90s. 90s, yeah. yeah. Um, so it, yeah, at that time, the way you would book shows, the way you would do that, you wouldn't just make like a live recording and, and send that along to the booking agent right. or whatever. Right. So on that level, yeah, you wouldn't yeah. have been considered serious, but not by the audience as much as by right. the other people right. that you would have to deal with in order mm-hmm. to, to, mm-hmm. to create that. But, but that wasn't why you made the recording only. I mean, it was super passionate, the whole thing. Oh, yeah, yeah, because I didn't even know that aspect of it when I went into the right. recording. I, yeah. I, it was, you had said, why don't you make a recording? I'm like, okay, well, sure. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, yeah, but it was, I, I, I yeah. appreciate what you're saying and thank mm-hmm. you. But I mean, obviously, this wasn't my idea. You were, you're making a recording because right. you're making a recording and mm-hmm. it, was a, it was the right thing to do at the time. Mm-hmm. Since then, you've been through a long, like, sort of ver- wide variety of, like, it's a long road since then. It is a long road. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> a long and winding road. Yeah. Many recordings. Yeah, we don't have to do this in order. Yeah. Uh, actually, let's go the other way around. Recently, you just came off a tour in Germany. What? Mm-hmm. I did. Yes. So, 
do you, do you want to talk about that or sure. is that okay? Yeah, so sure. who did you tour with? I toured with um, an Irish musician, a singer and guitar player and baron player, Tim O'Shea from Killarney. He uh, tours in Germany every year and it was his 25th anniversary of touring. So um, he wanted to bring along something different from what he'd normally done. And, um, and so it was me because he hadn't brought a harp before along. So uh, it was different. <laughs> It was could you, definitely different. Could you paint the picture a little bit? So uh, a, a typical show with Tim, who, there's two people on stage. Yeah, there's just the two of us. So he has the guitar, he's singing, he plays the baron, and um, I have the harp and and vocals. So typical, the shows were two-hour shows, two sets, one, three. And they were. It, it was really interesting in Germany. There were so many different venues. Like we played in many barns that had been... Um, refurbished to be performing venues you know they were out in the middle of nowhere like it was us and the cows in the former east german countryside and 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 i think i mean i i know a lot of people did come i would say maybe 30 percent of the audience were followers of tim over the years that came but i but I also think a lot of people came because there's a show going on in the barn there is literally nothing else to do for miles around and it could have been Monkeys flying off. <laughs> I swear, that was. I mean, I don't know if that's the true, Irish music, right? but that was my feeling. That, but they but, didn't come out for monkeys flying out. But, that was but the next week. They, they, they were so appreciative, and but it was really funny. Like Tim had told me that you know he'd warned me that during the performances they're very quiet. Like, and that's not true. Most in Irish music, people are clapping and hooting and hollering and tapping really, your feet. Really, the Irish. <laughs> <laughs> you don't say. <laughs> and these guys are like kind of dead. Um, but any, but, but, but after each song, they applauded, you know, wildly. And in every concert, we were brought back for two and three encores. And um, the best part was that at, Almost every concert, they gave us gifts at the end, like bottles of wine, chocolates, flowers. Right on. Fabulous. <laughs> I'm like, I love Germany. Right. Yeah. I don't, uh, just, do you think this is like a, a typical, is that what you do at the end of the show when you're in Germany? Or is it a Tim thing? Or is it a, you know, what do you think? Do you I, got, feel I, culturally think, I think it's culturally that that's what they do. I, I just got, I got that impression. Well, so... So the touring part of it, so did you play like five shows or like 20 shows? How many shows did you play? 16. 16 in three and a half weeks. Right. Wow. Yeah. It was a lot. It was really a lot because it was just the two of us. So we were hauling the gear in and hauling the gear out and setting up. And um, So, I mean, it was great for me to get uh, an idea of what that kind of touring is like. And that is really hard work. Um uh, but it was but it was great and I met some really really wonderful people especially a lot of Tim's friends are very actively involved with the refugees in Germany and they were just like I I kind of had this I hate to admit it this stereotypical view of Germans that were very like you know not friendly and standoffish and they blew that away for me they were the friendliest most welcoming most loving people and um and that was great that was really fabulous well so in my experience um which is minor uh with irish music it feels like the music is gonna happen like anyway like like if you go to a session or whatever mm -hmm. 
when the session's over and everybody gets home, everybody's just going to go play music. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, this is just, just music. the session's right. over? The session's over. It's, it's going to, right. Like, it was going to happen. And the next morning, it's like, oh, do you know this one? You know? Um, so, I mean, how did that translate into the sort of the touring thing? I mean, you, you if I understand, I'm guessing, uh, well, I know a little about this because you told me about uh, this the other day, but uh, to bring the people up to, to speed, that kind of tour, you're actually, you're not going to only stay in like a hotel or whatever. It's not like Kanye on tour. This is going to be, <laughs> you're going to stay at people's places, yeah, right? Did, yeah. So like host families, that we kind were, of thing. The first week, actually, we were in um, the former West Germany and we stayed with this woman, Uta, who was just charming and I loved her dearly so we were in her house for about six days and so she's German and she and her sister she has a twin sister and they do flamenco dancing (laughs) (laughs) I absolutely don't know where the hell that came from (laughs) she she speaks fluent Spanish and she sings in Spanish and she does flamenco dancing but she's so she was so sweet and um and so we stayed there uh, for for six days, and she was fabulous. And we did a four, five concerts from there, and going back to her house at night, which was which was great. You know, that was just nice to have a home base and not have to live out of a suitcase. Right. Um, that was one part of touring I really did not like at all. I have to say. And then we went to Klosowitz, no, Ponitz, Ponitz, and we had an apartment there that was uh, rented to us. Uh, from a, a lawyer who works with the refugees. That's that's his sole work is helping the refugees resettle in Germany. And he was his name was Ingo, and he and his wife uh, Tanya they were wonderful, and their two daughters. And they li- they were in this little tiny little town, Ponitz in Germany, had a castle, and um, they were going to destroy the castle after the reunification. And he and the mayor worked to to redo the castle and so we had a concert there and that was beautiful so in the castle in the castle we had a couple of castle concerts yeah it is awesome it's i mean castles are kind of almost like not the same as in ireland but some of them are not as ornate as you picture they're not all disneyland castles you know some of them are just ornate buildings you know where the the big man lived (laughs) (laughs) well it's interesting because you know if you go back Again, I'm going to be super general, and it's certainly not the case of all castles at all, but there, there is an example of, okay, so if if we got a little clan together and we said, you know, fuck you guys, we're going to take off and make our own place, we're going to go and find a spot, right? Obviously, the first thing we're going to do is set up some sort of fortification to protect ourselves from sure. just the wolves and all this mm-hmm. stuff. You know, we're in mm-hmm. Europe, right? Then... We got to get some food going, and we got to protect the food, and we got to do all that right. But the castle, in the end, is going to be the center point of this. And in, in some cases, the castle was one of the, the, or the small version of the castle was the first thing that was built. Then you also have the church, right? Or whatever religious kind of edifice mm-hmm. that you're going to mm-hmm. deal with, right? So if I'm understanding correctly, and I, I'm shit with history, but I'm imagining that. Some of the stuff that you're playing, I mean, you're playing modern music, is that correct? Were you playing old things? Well, a lot of the... Did you play anything that could have been, uh, you know, sort of historically correct around, or sort of close to the time? Oh, sure, yeah. I mean, some of the pieces I played on the harp were, real, were quite old, you know, hundreds of years old. Yeah, but so, years old. So, Tim's, most of Tim's songs, some were old, but some were more modern. Well, it's been a long day and I'm drinking wine, but for me, I feel like <laughs> you, 
it, there's I can't get away from the coolness. Like, oh, okay, it was, it was so super some, cool. Some mm-hmm. dude is hanging out mm-hmm. in Ireland, yep. like a couple hundred years ago, or however many hundred years ago, many hundreds of years ago. It's like, oh, I think it should go. Okay, great. Fast forward to 2016. Like, Regina's showing up. Wrong country. Right. But still in the castle. It's all good. <laughs> Blasting that dude. Like, there's no way that dude could hear this. You know, the, the, the strange thing, and I, we were kind of talking about this in Germany. German people love Irish music. Like when we go over to Killarney every year and I go for the festival that I go to in Killarney, a large number of Germans come to this festival. It's a set dancing festival, so it's a dancing and music festival. And a very large number of Germans come to this festival. And so, you know, we were kind of, you know, analyzing it, which of course means nothing but <laughs> we think we, hey, think, we can bro science anything yeah, yeah, if you really. want you know if we, it, if we could think of it it's true okay absolutely because we're thinking okay here these look german people follow the rules everything's done the way it's supposed to be the trains I mean, run on time stereotypes but right. there's a reason why the stereotype exists right, right? yeah and they come out and and so we kind of posited that they come over to ireland to just let their wild out <laughs> I don't know if it's true or not, but it sounds good to me. time in Ireland, <laughs> and everybody's yeah. crazy. It could so. be completely, yeah, complete way off. Who knows? That's yeah. that's kind of our. Because why would why? I'm yeah. just I'm, mutual I'm, love I'm, of yeah. beer. Maybe there is that. There, I, mean, I had not thought about that. You could be on something. Right? You could be on to something. <laughs> well, I, mean, I don't know. I, I'm I'm still. I'll get off of it, but I'm still jamming on the idea that there's the dude, and he wrote the song. And there is no way he can imagine that hundreds and hundreds of years later, we're going to still be playing that goddamn song, but it's going to be 200 miles to the east or whatever. I'm sorry. I I apologize for a number of miles. It's probably 700. (laughs) I have no idea. I think it's a lot more than 200. Well, I don't know. there's a channel of water in between. There's no question in the the channel. As the crow flies. But this is not a a geography (laughs) podcast. But the point is, but yeah, basically you just kind of went zoink. Pop it up over here, and then mm-hmm. drop down over here, and like I'm just gonna play that again. And it, the point I'm making is, it's completely viable. Yeah, yeah, it is. Like it's not related just necessarily to the time, right, or the moment. It just is. It's yeah. almost it transcends the idea of time. Song is just as good. Mm-hmm. The piece of music is just as entertaining. Yeah. It's just as inspiring and compelling and all those other adjectives that end in ING. It's kind of <laughs> it's kind of amazing because I, I belong to this organization, the Cultus Culturae Erna, and it's a music and... <laughs> and <laughs> One more time. What's it called? Cultus Culturae Erna. And it does, it's not spelled anything like what it says. <laughs> Look, everybody listening is like, witchcraft. <laughs> <laughs> so the first word cultus is C-O-M-H-L-A-T-A-S. <laughs> what, what language are we in here? Is this Irish. Irish. It's, it's, called, it's Irish. It's Irish. Right, yeah. Go ahead. Um, but anyway, they have branches in Russia and Tokyo and South America and Italy. And you think to yourself, why would these people like Irish music? What? Well, if it's good, it's good, right? It's good, it's good. Yeah, and plus it's 2016. I mean, sure. you, you pull you out can your listen to anything. That's right. true. Yeah, mm-hmm. you pull out your smartphone, and I'm listening to whatever. But I listen to Japanese music. I mean, same. Yeah, you see what I mean? Like yeah. it's and yeah. and 
I guarantee you, if there was a Russian metal band playing tonight down the street, I would totally go see. Yeah. <laughs> I would be like, "Oh, I want to hear that." Vodka in hand. Oh, right. it's time to go. <laughs> right. I think there is. I mean, look. I mean, I, I'm going to postulate the, the, that's not that's silly, but uh, there's obviously a, a I don't know, like a, a country based or a culture based connection to Easting. Irish mm-hmm. music is Irish. It's yes, obviously. But the point of music itself, the expression that goes along with the piece of music, mm-hmm. is pan-cultural. Even though, yeah. I, I don't mean to pull that away. Yeah, no, 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 I mean, no, obviously, I some types of music, it depends. Some types of music are, are meant to be danced to. Mm-hmm. And so, if you're the kind of person that's like, no, you're not you know, of my kind, so you may not dance to this, then maybe <laughs> it's not going to work out that night. But you know what? The music's just as good. Yeah. Maybe you're the problem. Just get out of right, the way right, so right, I can right. dance. Right? <laughs> <laughs> but 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 when when there's a piece of expression, it's it's interesting. This is what I'd really like to talk to you about. I'd like to get your impression about something. Okay. Irish music is tricky to listen to if you don't understand it. Yes, because it all sounds the same. I'm just going to get it out there because yeah. that's what everybody says. <laughs> but it doesn't, and it does, right. and it doesn't, right? Now, yeah. you could argue that anything... Okay. Some of that's perspective. Too, right. right? Mm-hmm. Briggs, name a type of music where someone doesn't say it all sounds the same. That's everything, right? Right. It's EDM. Yeah. Or, or, or disco. Metal or whatever. Sure. Rock and right. roll. Right. Even right. What you're looking Cookie at. Monster music. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> right. How focused no. in on it are you? It's and that's when you see yeah, the subtleties and, and whatever. Yeah. How about you can, if you can say all jazz goes like R&B. But it doesn't, right? Exactly. And so I think what I'm getting at is if you look at a type of dance music, if you look at like whatever EDM, uh, electronic dance music or, or disco or, or something that we consider this is a big, 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 pounding, pounding, pounding. It's pretty simple to jump away from the culture of that and just go, okay, well, it, it's, it's doing, it's bouncing at the same speed that human bodies bounce up and down. Sure. <laughs> Sounds like a heartbeat. Everyone's got a heartbeat, right? It's Everyone's very exciting. Yep. It's loud. There's a bunch of people also digging it. I'll go in on this, you know? If my dog gets excited when I hear it, it's an exciting piece of music. You know what I mean? <laughs> like when he was barking before? Or it's a truck <laughs> driving by. <laughs> oh. Or a squirrel. Throwing you shade. Never it's a throwing, squirrel. Throwing big shade. There's the Jack squirrel. doesn't care. He's sleeping. No, you were talking about EDM sounds like a truck driving by. <laughs> <laughs> Not necessarily. Some of it does. But the, uh, but that, those are the ones I like. So when you listen to like jazz, right, it helps if you understand... About the culture, if you listen to like '60s jazz, mm-hmm. you understand that mm-hmm. this is tied in with, you know, with with the uh, with the black experience in America. It's tied in with with post slavery. It's tied in with juke joints and dancing. It's tied in with drug culture. It's tied in with fucking beautiful suits and 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 everybody dressing up and <laughs> playing some really Hats. just sh- like bleh, shitty sex stuff at the same gorgeous time gorgeous red lipstick yeah yeah you see what i mean everybody <laughs> yes. gets you have all of these different vibes that you get off of. you get off of it like you know the 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 separation between black and white culture in america mm-hmm. and all those people that were trying to jump over and trying to change it and you and you tie it to martin luther king if that's what you're about or not or you tie it to new york city mm-hmm. or whatever or new orleans well, or, right exactly mm-hmm. and 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 you can see it all blossom out if you understand 
some of the culture behind mm-hmm. it. What is mm-hmm. some of the what are the connections that you make when you listen to Irish music? What do you hear? Do you hear those same types of things? Um in songs in particular because so many of the songs have an historic meaning to them. So particularly in Irish because the language was forbidden to be spoken from the early 1800s. So you couldn't speak the language. You couldn't play the music. Okay, hang on. Just please explain that a little bit. So when in, in Ireland, in Ireland, when England um, came over to Ireland in the early 1800s, they passed the penal laws, and that forbid the Irish from speaking their language, from holding land, holding any title, voting, going to school, practicing their religion. It, it was trying to kill the culture, which any right, right. oppressing uh, country is going to do to another country. Right. That's His- their, history that's is their made job. by the victors. Right. right, right. Yeah. Right. So. Um, so the Irish would continue to write songs, but instead of uh, evoking images of Ireland or speaking about Ireland, they would almost always give Ireland the name of a woman. So it would appear on the surface that it was a love song, but it rarely was a love song. You know, there's, there's, a, there's a song called Anravtuagan Garg, Were You at the Rock? And so there's two definitions of it. Were you at the rock? It's a love song. Were you at the rock? Have you seen my Valentine? The other definition is during the, the, the penal times, they couldn't celebrate their Catholic religion. So they used to go into caves and the priests would celebrate mass on a rock for which you'd be killed for if you were caught doing that. So the question is, were you at the rock? Were you practicing your faith during times of persecution? So that's one interpretation. I don't know which is the correct one, but, but so many of the songs have that historical, you know, baggage attached to it, if you want to call it that. Um, the tunes, not as much of the dance tunes, but the slow airs would definitely have some of that with it also, because some of the slow airs were laments for the loss of freedom in the country. Dance tunes were just dance tunes, you know, for the most part. Well, it's interesting. Um, one of the things that's been coming up just coincidentally, or maybe not, in the, uh, in the podcast is... Um, uh, a lot of rock and roll music tends to be uh, ironic. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of people will be clever when they write their lyrics. It'll be a, a set of metaphors. It'll be a double entendre. Mm-hmm. There's, and in in some cases, people will uh, will shy away from telling the truth mm-hmm. in rock and roll. I, again, it, it, this, the usage, context, all that kind of stuff. Um, I don't. Th- there's not a lot of super ironic comedic. Irish music, at least that I'm familiar with. Mm-hmm. I think one of the things that people will hold up as a stereotype for Irish music will be, you know, a big, strong man singing Danny Boy, dead fucking completely earnestly. And but that's not with, Irish music. Well, I'm, I'm sorry. That's Irish American music. I'm sorry. I, I, but I mean, I'm, I'm giving you the, the stereotype. No, no. Yeah. no the I'm giving you the stereotype. Yeah, it is the stereotype. Yeah, people right. do think the that. The stereotype yeah. of it yeah. is that here's someone who probably would spend most of their time going, yeah, Briggs, what are those shoes? You know, like just sure. totally ranking on all their buddies. And yeah. But 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 no, wait a minute. When we sing this song, it's serious. Again, I, I, again, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I don't yeah. mean to call yeah. out Danny Boy as an no, example, no, no. But, oh, but it's that stereotype of, mm-hmm. of when we do this, we are completely dead serious. Not to say there aren't funny songs. Right, right. Oh, yeah. But yeah. what you're saying brings up 
big piece of, of, of data to the table. I mean, if that is where some of this is coming from, mm. that does, damn, explain some of this. Because yeah. the, the stakes are so high, there's just no reason for irony at all. Right, right, in some of those songs. But the songs that you're thinking of that most people would associate with Irish music who don't know Irish music are really Irish American songs and 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 kind of came from the vaudevillian era, you know. So they don't they don't have the gravitas that um, the earlier. Well, it's it's funny to hear. I'm not, of course, yeah. not disagreeing with you. I right, completely right, agree right. with you. Um, but Danny Boy done right at the right time has oh, some sure. serious fucking gravitas, which means I get it. I mean, yeah. there's, and I realize yeah. it's a lot deeper. That's yeah. what we're talking about, yeah. right? Yeah. But when it came about, no one was going to get killed for singing it, right? Uh, well, Danny Boy, I'm trying to think of when the lyrics were written, because the air is a very old air. Okay. And then the lyrics were... Jeez, this is terrible. I well, should the, know this, but I don't But the know lyrics are obviously yeah. in, in English, so I mean, yeah. right. I can't yeah. imagine that yeah. was the original It was not plan. written in Irish, yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Yeah. So, do you... Uh, okay, so I know the answer to this one. Do you sing songs that are in Irish? Well, I do a few. Um, I'm not a native Irish speaker, right. so you know I always kind of feel like I'm walking on eggshells when I do that. But I, I I do love the language, and I try to study it, but it's a really difficult language. I'm fairly okay with my pronunciation, but but then again, there are many dialects in Irish. So I some of the songs I learned in a northern dialect, and someone from Connemara would look at me like I had three heads on my shoulder. So it kind of depends. I I liked singing it, but I'm a little. Well, I think a, a singing you're going to get. Um, I'm not speaking for the Irish, of course, <laughs> but uh, you know, if, if someone who didn't whose English is not their first language sings something in English, I'm not gonna. I'm going to listen to them sing. Right, you get a right. little more leaway. Too, yeah, right? I'm, gonna, yeah. Singing, I'm not going to ding them because you right? didn't. Yeah, right. Exactly. And right. There's like American bands that right. sing in an English accent and vice versa. Yeah, I right, mean, because it's right. art, right? And I think the other thing is that. You know, if you faked it, if you go, yeah, I'm from Ireland, and you, you know, blew the the, the language, that would be horrible. But that's right. not what you're doing. I mean, right. you're being, right, right, you know, right. you're being straightforward. Right. But so, so what are some of the other things that you hear? I, that's a that's a big piece of information. Like when you look at the music of the time, coming from this sense of being oppressed, sense mm-hmm. of sort of mm-hmm. creating mm-hmm. art. You know, making flowers in a, in the middle of a of a parched out of a burned out battlefield. You know, yeah, I, I kind of think of lots of times in terms of the African American experience, and because so much of their music came from oppression of, of the American African music, I think came from oppression, and I I do really see a connection, not only just to the Irish, but for any culture that has experienced that. I think there's a strong connection in the music that evolves from that. Um, I think it's cool. Some people are doing Afro-trad music, and I think that's just really See it again? Afro-trad. So they're combining traditional Irish music with African music because the right. rhythms aren't that far apart. Well, I mean, people... Jump up and down at yes. the same tempo. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I mean, to piss you, you want to piss some ska people off. Point out that you're just playing polkas really fast, right? <laughs> you know, like I mean, like you could do that about anything, right? That's why I like ska so much. I mean, what, I mean you could say jazz. Jazz is just a half tarantella, you know. So you, I mean, there's really it's either duck, 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 or 
that 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 right <laughs> and there's a there's an equivalence in uh in irish music sure, as well sure, sure. so which is yeah. which you the the jig does yeah which one's right so straight so but if you play the one three one three one three one you're playing basically the same as dun 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 you're playing the blues right so i mean rhythm is rhythm is rhythm is rhythm and you can make those kind of connections across a lot of different i absolutely agree with you i'll take lots of times i'll take set dancing steps and i'll do them to rock you yeah, know, it fits. The Afro-Cuban experience is, is interesting as well. I mean, there's a lot of these sort of, uh, obviously, some things are going to end up sounding like a dog with a fish head stuck <laughs> on it. But I mean, but a lot of things do just sort of naturally fit together. Yeah, right. I agree. Well, but it's interesting. So so separating that out for from the to get a little music geeky, um, you can break apart the various pieces of music in uh, Irish music by the rhythm, the underlying yes, rhythm. absolutely. Is that dance-based? Yes. Yeah, it is. Because you have... <clears throat> there's, I'm sorry, I don't mean to make, no, to make no, you no, represent no, all no, Irish no. music. But, <laughs> I mean, uh, the, the, you get your major yeah. ones in the 4-4 four, four time, you have reels and hornpipes. Right. And then you have uh, three different kinds of jigs. You have 6-8 Regular jig, 9-8 okay. so, slip jig, and 12-8 slide. So, so just in a, like a da-da-da-da, so uh, a reel... One, two, three, four, right? So it's be one, dun, dun, dun. So dun, yeah, dun, and a reel be straight. One, two, three, dun, four, you know, like. Um, gotcha. So it's duck a Not Yeah, it'd be like a Tarantella. Right. No, I'm with you. I gotcha. Then you reels and Then you said the jig. Well, the hornpipe. So hornpipe is in four for a time, but it's like a dotted rhythm. So it's ba dum ba dum ba dum da ba dum ba dum ba dum. Oh wow! So it's ba 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 But not. It's not really just dum ba ba ba. Almost like a jig. Well, and interestingly enough, I've actually seen some people who will write a hornpipe in six eight time. It's I've only seen that once. Oh, it's right. always written in four four time. But actually, if you look at a, at written Irish music, you wouldn't be able to tell a hornpipe from a real. They, it's an oral tradition. They never wrote the music ah, down, right. and so they don't write. It's not written correctly at all. So you don't see the dotted quarter note and the eighth note. You don't see that on the music. It's written as four eighth notes, which is totally incorrect. You would never play it that way. So another someone who's trying to learn Irish music from the written page is never going to get it. All right. Briggs decides he's going to pick up what's a good instrument for you, the Irish whistle. Sure. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> he goes, hey, Regina, got me a whistle here. I want to learn how to play some Irish music. Okay. How do you do that? Not, I mean, traditionally, not forget the 2016. You get on YouTube, none of that. Like the traditional that way. That is a way. <laughs> no, to I'm do saying, it. but forget about that. But back up a little bit pre internet. Yeah. Do you show up at a session or what do you do? I think really. You said so it's an oral fast, tradition. It's an oral tradition. So there's a fast way and a slow way. The fast way to learn it is to get a good teacher. Yeah. Slow way is to invent the wheel yourself. And then you're probably not going to get the nuances that you would get if you had a teacher. What about just kind of going to performances of the music and well yeah i mean if you have a good ear then you'll hear the nuances that are happening in the music if you don't have a good ear it's not going to happen plus with a whistle there i mean i don't play a whistle so i don't really know but i know people have said there's certain techniques that make playing a whistle in an irish style versus another style so um again 
I think you can probably only get that from a teacher. I mean, you can learn the tune, the basic tunes, just from listening because they're sure. not they're not particularly complicated tunes. They they usually follow they're kind of formulaic to a certain extent. You have an A part and a B part. There might be some changes between one or the other. Right. Um, so if you're a musician, you could figure that out. But the nuances, like it's funny, I talk with my students. We play a slip jig. It's nine eight time, and tr- the traditional emphasis is on the one four and seven B. So if you play it without can you just quickly. Even when I sing it, I still emphasize those beats. Yeah, no, right? I'm hearing you do but it. Yeah. If, but my students, right. when they're first playing, they'll go da 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 da. Okay, it's <laughs> not it. Irish that's music, not it, you, right? <laughs> right? So if you looked at the notes on the page, that's how you'd play it, sure. and you wouldn't know that that's where the traditional emphasis is on the beat. So each one of the dance genres has an emphasis on a different beat. That, and that makes it Irish as opposed to just looking at the notes on the page. So if you wanted to learn, really the easiest and quickest way is to get a good teacher because you're just not going to get those nuances. Right. Unless you're just a fabulous musician. You mean coming in as a musician? Yeah. If you come in as a musician and you really have a good ear, you, you're, you, you will hear the emphasis, okay? But if you, if, you're, if you don't have that background in music... Right, but I would imagine that, that children can get this pretty quickly as well. Because I mean, it's like that using the whole concept of that's all you know is, is this. Yeah? I mean, young people can just sort of own the... No. Well, okay. Not young American. No. I, there's right. such a big difference between the kids that grow up in Ireland and learn the music because they're surrounded by it. So they automatically know that that's the rhythm of slip jig or that's the rhythm of the reel. And I have so many things. There's so many things that are just running through my head. I have like a zillion questions. Everything you say runs a whole bunch of new set of questions. All right. Let me organize this. You also dance. Yes. In, I'm going to say in the Irish style. What does that yeah. mean? Um, well... What does that mean? Give, just I mean, give me like a, a, a correct heading. Is it step, okay? So step so dancing, I do step dancing. step dancing. I don't do as much step dancing anymore, but okay. I do more set dancing, which is uh, four couples. Okay, step dancing would be so, uh, again paint the picture on stage or or in a, at a session or what? what, what how would this? Well, step step, step dancing step for the most dancing. part is solo dancing. Solo. So that's the stuff that you saw in River Dance. Oh, okay, gotcha. okay, right, right, yeah, So right. that's the really really intricate, really athletic step. S T E P. S T E P. Then yeah. you said set. Dancing. Set, set, set dancing. dancing would be... You consider it social dancing, so it's four couples in a square, and there are prescribed movements, what we call figures. Right. Okay. A million years ago, I went over to your house, and it was late, and everybody was hammered. <laughs> and we did some. And you did some <laughs> set dancing, and I, I coped. You did cope very well, <laughs> And I, I will, I will, I will, I'm going to openly admit to those, hopefully, who are not listening... Uh, that I actually had a really good time. It's not something that your typical American does. Certainly, <laughs> your typical American, you know, musician type. And it was actually fucking fun. It's beautiful. It was really so sweet. Fun. And if you just dive in a little bit with the whole, you know, when in Rome, just go do this. Obviously, there's a reason why people love doing it, and it was really cool. It was an interesting. You're right. It was very social feeling. You end up sort of dancing with all the people around you. Yeah. And, Let me tell you a funny story about yeah, that. Yeah, please. So Casey and Molly, my son Casey and his wife Molly, who live in Germany, uh, came over to the festival that my daughter Alana and I go to every year in February. Last year was the very first time they came. Where's the festival? Festival's in Killarney, and it's called the Gathering in Ireland. It, right, in Ireland, right. and it's a set dancing and music festival. So I said, "Come on over. Come on over." And so uh, they came over, and um, 
you know, I, I would say that n- neither of them are natural dancers, so uh, we, we decided we'd spend some of the time of the afternoon just giving them some, some of the basic steps and stuff. But they're extremely analytical, and set dancing follows patterns. So this was brilliant. It was just so much fun to watch them, because once they figured out the pattern that was happening, they were golden. And, they, and so they got out there, and we asked all our friends who were there, we said, look, we're going to bring them in the set with us, and you guys help them along and push them where they need to go. And it was so much fun, because I could watch the, the gears going around in their head as they're waiting for their turn to come, and they're just going through all the steps in their head, and then they just got right out and did it. <laughs> I was right. like, that's great. <laughs> well, I mean, this, this runs right toward what I'm saying, or what I'm thinking about, Hold on, but is there a connection between, for example, can can someone who understands square dancing connect that to set dancing? To a certain extent. I have to say that I tried square dancing and I failed miserably at it. And I What was the challenge? Well, what I found, I don't know if this is true because I only went to one square dance in my life, so I don't well, know. That. Obviously, that is <laughs> well, a fantastic a survey. I don't know. If and this is everything true you were about to say is totally good. <laughs> because in set dancing, all all the sets, you know, they've been they've been choreographed for years. So if you do the Connemara right, set, yeah, it's the right. same steps all the time oh, in the Connemara set. The okay? con- there is like the Connemara. Oh, set. there's hundreds of sets, and they all have names. Great. Yeah, but in. The one square dance that I went to, the caller was calling the stuff as you were doing it. Right. I couldn't do that. I couldn't deal with it because I, yeah. I, I'm going right, but I'm supposed to go left. Is that a similar thing to what you're saying before? Like if you don't grow up in Ireland, you don't know where the accents are and you don't. Uh, I guess so. Maybe. I mean, I've never done square dancing before. And it so threw me off that in a split second, they're going to tell you what you're doing that I just totally. It sounds, it sounds like your focus it. is somewhere else. Um, do you do set dancing? As a performance, or is it a, it's a, it, that's what everybody does at a party kind of thing? It's um, more the latter. There are some, like, there are sometimes when the orchestra performs, I've had some set dancers come up and perform. I get it. But yeah. I mean, generally but the speaking, part, the no. point of it is, is for you to Social enjoy fun. being part yeah. of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. It's not, you don't go to watch a bunch of people set dancing. It's kind, yeah, it's kind of like contra dancing in that respect. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. So, to bring it around, I'm trying to bring it around so we don't do this forever. So, you're, so you're, so if you can dance this, mm-hmm. Forget about set dancing or any of this kind of stuff. Obviously, the I would imagine step dancing has its own, obviously, set of traditions mm-hmm. and all this. Mm-hmm. There must be a tremendous connection between the jig, the hornpipe, the reel, all those oh, things. So you could approach Irish music from a rhythmic pattern standpoint. Mm-hmm. Okay. On the other side, can you can you approach it from like... A, a melodic standpoint? Do you use the same scales over and over again? Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. And very much chordal, too. Very chordal. Yep. I mean, I actually do both of those things. Like, I'll take my students who are, who are not Irish, and I will make them learn dance steps of the particular type of dance we're learning because I want you because the music was made for the dance. Wow, okay? I get it. So I'll bring them out and say this is this is what we're playing for. This is where you're trying to get it going. And then the other thing is that I'll really I really early on try and get my students to look at chords because the music is really chordal like that slip jig that I said before that bum ba da 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 da. So you're going down in E minor chord and a D chord. That's it. Do you mean the da 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 yeah. spells out an E minor, e minor chord and the da 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 will chord. spell the D mm-hmm. major chord? And that's very common in Irish music. You know what else is super common in? If you're a saxophone player playing jazz and you don't have an accompanist, mm-hmm. you're going dum da 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 da. You're gonna play what you want, then da 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 da. You're gonna play the next chord yeah. that you're gonna riff over. Uh, wow, so many connections, right? Yeah. 
Yeah, if you don't have somebody playing the chords, you're going to drop quick hints during the melody of what you're doing. Sure. It's also similar to when the metal guy goes <laughs> and does the tapping on the guitar. Like they're not playing the chords, they're just separating out. It's just arpeggiating the arpeggiating chord, it, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah, absolutely. That's fascinating, wow. Okay, so you're looking at it from a rhythmic standpoint and from a harmonic yeah. standpoint, mm-hmm. and then you, you bring in this context. When you go to sing now, I mean, there's got to be some sort of connections to just simple personality. I mean, is there a wide, there's got to be a wide range of, of types of things. When you're listening to those songs, what are, some of the, what are some of your favorite things to listen to? Are you listening to the performances of the songs, or are there songs that just stick out and it doesn't matter who plays it, I love that song? Uh, probably both. Um, because some of the Irish singing is done shano, so unaccompanied, and so the vocalist is to to use their voice to convey whatever else is going on in the song. So, I I love to hear someone who really can work the song with their voice, and sometimes I'll just listen to it for that. They'll the or, same kind of ornamentations that we do on the instrument, like rolls and trebles. They'll do with their voice, and I like to hear where they put them in. And then other times the the lyrics are so capturing that you know anybody because like, some of the Shano singers have horrible voices. They're they're it's n- not pleasant to listen to, but they're telling a story, and and you're kind of just sucked into it, and you you, you go to it anyway. But there's a funny video of an Irish comedian whose name escapes me right now. And he does this whole bit about Irish sessions and he just sucks you in and he's telling you how the session's going in and everything's and, he, and it's going on for 20 minutes. And then he says, and then the lady gets up to sing and the boats are in the harbor and they didn't sail today. And that's the end of the session. And sometimes it is that way. <laughs> well, I mean, there you go. You got you kind of going back to our old right. our, our old concept, which is ironic stuff. Hey, well, let's everybody just go dance. Then it's like, okay, well, Cindy's gonna come up, come and sing. <laughs> She's gonna sing the song that she wrote for her when she broke up with her boyfriends. Right. It's got a song about her cat and her plants and how important they were during yep. her therapy <laughs> after breaking up with her boyfriend. You're like. Okay, can we get this done? I don't think this is a particularly just Irish thing. <laughs> right. I mean, whenever Cindy gets up, you know. No, but, um, okay, from a personal standpoint, I've seen you guys before. I've seen the Ar- the Harper Orchestra before. I've seen you before. Mm-hmm. I've seen you with your band. Uh, you had a band. Do you still have a band? Uh, Ray Gencha? Is that, mm-hmm. is that sort of? No, it's kaput. That's that's done. Mm-hmm. We can talk about that in a second. I went, I've seen that. And, I mean, as long as it's presented in that sort of, you know, we're going to play a, a wide variety of material, then, of course, you can really look forward to a song like that. Mm-hmm. Oh, I think yeah. it's, it's just like if you go to see, you know, a certain act, you're going to expect to be just completely entered. You're going to go see James Brown. You don't want him to sit down with a guitar and go, I wrote this about my brand new baby. <laughs> you know, he may have a brand new baby, but he's not going to play you a song about how sweet she is. Right? Papa's got a brand new well, baby. He's just going to, he's going to, because you're going to see that show. It's, everything right. in the end is a show, is a show. Right, right. And I think it's safe to say that in, you know, at least again, in my experience of going out and seeing tra- not totally traditional Irish music, I don't mean going to a theater and all buying tickets, mm-hmm. but going out to like a bar and seeing someone at some point is going to go, okay, everybody shut up. Right. I'm right. going to sing this. Right. And that's cool. I mean, oh, and, yeah. it, and it fits and it, and it is beautiful. I think it definitely 
definitely fits because I mean I I think in any show you like to have an ebb and flow of up and down. I I don't I mean I don't know if I would go to a performance and want to hear dunk 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 like for two hours. I mean right. I like I like the give and take of fast tunes, slow tunes, melodic tunes. You know. Right. So let's let me try something else out on you. So this is something that that I think. Um, so I produced a couple of things for you, which were just, you know, my job at that point was more like recording engineer than anything else, you know, making, <laughs> making people comfortable. Uh, I, most of the times we worked together, it would be with other people mm-hmm. as well. We recorded mm-hmm. your band a couple of times. We recorded a bunch of different types like that. Um, so it's not like as, as deep a, a sort of record producer being part of the whole process as maybe typical. It was mm-hmm. more like, you guys knew exactly what we were doing. We're going to record this. It's really that kind of thing. But you're approaching this thing that almost seems codified, like traditional Irish music. You can almost look at it uh, you know, objectively and go, that is or is not a good example of mm-hmm. traditional. You can mm-hmm. almost mm-hmm. define it. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm going to throw something out. Tradition can be a tremendous challenge to deal with when being creative. Yes, absolutely. I absolutely agree with you on that one. So do you feel like when you're working on something original, do you, how do you approach that idea that tradition and creativity are, in many cases, our enemies? They're not necessarily great bedfellows. I think... In, uh, to 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 make I'm sorry, that's such a big question. Let me let me see if I can. I actually have an easy one. out. For oh, you do? One. Okay, good. Okay, go ahead. I'm American. What is that? I know you're making a joke, <laughs> but I mean, how no, does that I work? I am kind of making a joke, but I'm not born in Ireland, so I don't feel tethered to um, hands down sticking to it. I feel I feel okay, like well, I can I feel like I can yeah. can use the the um, the framework of the music but bring in my other influences as well. And, um, and I feel comfortable doing that. Okay. Again, I'm not calling bullshit. My, I, I totally validating what you're saying, but I could also argue, okay, if I were born in Ireland, I'm born in Ireland. So everything I do is traditional. So I'm just being creative. Like you can kind of use that excuse well, from either side. It's not, not, no, from, I don't feel, I guess. I'm sorry, I made that excuse. That's not necessarily, you could use that yeah. rationalization. No, no, no. I think that the other difference is, is that, um, I don't feel any pressure. Okay. There's no pressure here for me to do that. Whereas someone like I would think an up and coming artist in Ireland might make their first recording just kind of dead on really traditional and then start to branch out just to let everybody know that the home fires are being kept and the tradition's alive and that sort of thing. I don't need to do that here. So I think, you know, that's a big difference. I also think that since the time I started getting into the music, it has changed a lot. Like even in Ireland, there, I mean, the experimenting and the fusion and the different rhythms that are being used are, are just exploding all over the place. So I think the younger generation of Irish musicians also are not feeling that pressure anymore. Well, it's funny because what I was going to go with, you know, regardless, what I'm thinking is young people usually go, fuck you, grandpa. I'm going to do what I want to do. <laughs> right. And not that they're going to leave behind any any mm-hmm, real tradition, mm-hmm, but they're going mm-hmm. to take what they want from mm-hmm, the tradition mm-hmm. and they're going to 
do whatever the hell they want with it yeah. at that point. And to me, that's as traditional as anything. I, I could easily right now have an argument with someone that folk music in 2016 is hip hop. It's rap music. There, there is the connection between. Yeah. It's we're just talking yeah, about definition. Define folk, yeah, right. Absolutely. I mean, but if it's the voice of the people right now with mm-hmm. no, you know, with no frill, no production, no nothing, right. Most people, especially young people, are going to go. Just give me a song right now. They're not going to go. Give me my Martin D twenty eight, and I'm going to tune it to drop D tuning <laughs> and play something in the traditional folk style. Sure. No, they're going to go. Okay, they're going to get a little rhythm going, and they're going to wrap over the bottom of it. That's where, like the like the the the, the, the sort of the music. I don't know the music of many of the people in America is obviously there are different types, but. I don't think, I think you're going to, I think there's a, uh, there is a comparison though. Like if you have young kids in the United States that are playing uh, classical music, they're going to stick to that tradition of classical music because that's either what they like, that's what they like for whatever reason. But, and you're going to have the same in Ireland. You're going to, there's tons of really young Irish musicians who are just dead on straight traditional and they, they don't, they don't um, experiment at this point. So you have, you have both. Really yeah, uh, I mean, it would be just as evil to go, you're young, you can't do this traditionally, you have to do something different. Right. I guess what I'm getting is that art, the art part of this, like the, just the, if you call music with a capital A art, mm-hmm. probably doesn't effing care about your tradition or your history, right? right? Like art and creativity just sort of seems to have its own engine. You, certainly the people that even just in this short time that we've just done these few podcasts, it's like, you just go, wow. Like, even in this small little group, we're just talking, we started this podcast out with basically local people. Mm-hmm. You know, we're not reaching really that far right. for people. And uh, certainly that would be like, we'd like to, to, to branch out as we go into the future and all that. But just within this small group of people, you go, wow. Like, the motivation mm. for all these different people that come in can be so wide ranging. Yeah. You can draw through lines, yeah. but it's, very so that kind of brings me to the, the, the whole point of why I was hoping that you do the podcast. You have this interesting connection to creativity and art and Irish music, music, singing, dancing, playing. I know you uh, personally. I know you're you're super passionate about all, a lot of this type of stuff. A lot of art, just in general, right? You actually didn't start doing the Irish harping thing until later in life. Yeah. <laughs> Way later. <laughs> what were you doing when you were young? Define young. <laughs> no, never mind. <laughs> little. Literally little. Like, like you know, little tenure. kid? Were you, were you making music when you were a little kid? Oh, yeah, I sang. Were you singing? You're dancing? Well, how did that work? And I was dancing. Do you, are you okay talking about this? Oh, yeah. I wanted to be a ballet dancer. That was my, that was my dream. I Why? S- where did that come from? I have no idea, but I wanted to dance ballet from the time I could remember. And I argued with my father about it. We took piano lessons. I took accordion lessons. I'm like, all I want to do is dance. And finally, I was able when I was eight years old to take my first dance class. Where were you? Jersey City, New Jersey. Jersey. And eventually continued on to the Garden State Ballet Company in New Jersey. I mean, I loved it. How old were you when you were at the Garden State Ballet? Um... Before high school and a little bit into high school. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, that was going to be my life. I loved to dance. I'm, I'm beginning to regret asking this question because <laughs> I have a feeling it doesn't end well. <laughs> <laughs> well, it actually, I think it does. You know, okay, good. I, I, I mean, I, I've taken a lot of different branches in life, and I'm kind of glad where I wound up. But um, I, I hurt my coccyx when I was a freshman in Is high that your school. butt bone, Regina? Yes, it is. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Regina, Regina uh, uh, for those, I, I don't want to call you up, but, but you have, uh, obviously you have other... Uh, yeah. skills and one of the things you are you're in the medical profession as well mm-hmm. but so but yes your butt bone go on and so I had to stop dancing for a while and the interesting thing about I mean dancing is a very um insulated world so when I had to stop dancing and I was in high school I kind of got to see all the things that I hadn't partake partaked in before and um I'm like oh well this is fun <laughs> I don't actually have to be in the dance studio every day of my life, and um, I kind of just didn't get back into the into the dance. I mean, okay, I never good. lost my love for it, <laughs> right. but right. I just didn't get back into it. Right. So you actually, so the rest of the world outside, I realized that, that kind of stuff, especially at a young age, and at that time, and not that far away from New York City, that must have been a pretty intense experience. Oh, it was, but I loved it. I mean, it was just. I just loved it. I was in the studio every day. I just, I loved dancing. Never, yeah. never thought twice about it, right. you know, until I just didn't do it anymore. And then I'm like, oh, okay. But I always kept it. Like I, even as an adult, I always went back to dance classes. I sure. studied with Al, not, not um, the Joffrey in New York and, wow. um, you know, just took their adult classes. And anytime I had the opportunity, I mean, I actually was just thinking like last year, I was like, I'd like to go back and take some ballet classes because in Irish dance, we never use our upper body. And I right. really wow. kind of wanted yeah do something with my upper body. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like number 25 on the list. Yeah, of things you want to do of right now. To do, right. Right. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> so, out of dance, did you keep some sort of art going? When did music start? Well, I, mean, I, I knew I mean, you I said was, you were taking piano lessons. Well, yeah, I did that, that but we and then I kind of stopped I, then I stopped taking any formal music lessons, but I always sang. Like we always sang in our church choir, my whole f- all of my sisters sing, so we always sang together. We were like the goddamn Von Trapp family. <laughs> you have a, bu- you have a bunch really of sisters. Were. Yes, there's yeah. five of us all and, together. And you were all, and you, you most, most, most were singing? Um, on different levels. Not My sister Julie went to the Juilliard Prep co- Program. Oh, wow, yeah. And my, f- and actually I was accepted into that program, and my father begged me to go. And I'm As like, a singer? Yeah, I said, I don't want to sing like that. Wow. <laughs> Because it was opera or... Yeah, it was, it was classical, yeah. Classical, yeah. He begged yeah. me to go. And you were like, like, I don't want to no, sing that way. No, And he said, I'll so let good. you study dance at Juilliard if you'll go oh, to it. And I'm like, no, no I don't wow. want to do it. That's that's harsh. <laughs> wow. Be, be forced to make art the way you don't want to yeah. make it in order so you can make art the way you want to make it. By the way, <laughs> obviously, that... That could have actually common, been right? could have been kind of a sweet deal yeah, too. Right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, it's really interesting it was, when I got when I'm in music now, and um, we'll probably get into talking about arranging. And when I do arranging, and people say to me, "How did you come up with that?" and I'm like, "I don't know." You know, and I think to myself, had I gone through Juilliard, I would have known what I was doing. Right? No, I mean, yeah. whether that's good, bad, or indifferent, I you know, I just don't know. But then years ago, I was at an Irish festival, and I was taking a singing class. And there was a woman at in the class, also taking the class, and she had been taught classically. Right. And so we were all singing around in the class. And after she came out, she said, "I wish I could sing like you." And and then I said, "I'm so glad I didn't go to Juilliard." <laughs> well, okay, <laughs> that, that's one conclusion that you can take out of the whole it's thing, fun. right? Yeah, I mean, the, being aware of of what you're doing isn't necessarily a completely positive experience. I 
mean, I, yeah, and I understand that. You know, yeah. I, I mean, understand I'd, that. I'd like to believe that the thing that made you arrange the thing that way wasn't tied into the fact that you could assign letters and numbers to what it was right. that you were doing. You right. know, like that right. motivation is still, yeah, is still inside there for whatever reason. Do you feel like there's a place for? Do you feel like there's a place? Can, can the type of music that you're playing? I don't want to say Irish music. That's not fair. I don't want to be represent Irish music. The type of music that you choose to play. Do you feel like there's a place for it to expand to? Do you feel like there is a place for creativity there? And if you do, like, what kind of creativity do you feel? Oh, um. Or do you feel like it's kind of played out? Like, in order to change it, you kind of have to hook it to something else and start again? I know. I don't think so. I'm. It, it, for me, a lot of. Because the tunes themselves are fairly simple, I, I don't mean that in a bad way. Um, they're not to- they're not complex in their structure, and so for me, the creativity comes in how can I bring out what I'm feeling in this tune? And like I, I have friends that will learn many, many, many tunes. They'll just bang tunes out one right after another. I don't have that ability, mm-hmm. and I sometimes regret that I don't have that ability. That I'm just not able to pick tunes up that quickly. But what I will do is I'll spend a long time with a tune, years with a tune, and many times just find different nuances in the tune that just pop out to me at other times. And I always feel bad for other musicians that don't do that because I kind of think that they're missing out on the on the beauty of the tune. Yeah, maybe they're leaving a little of the awesome on yeah, the table and like yeah, just moving on to yeah. another one. Yeah, and just moving on to another one, right. yeah. Like we had, <laughs> in our Christmas concerts, <clears throat> we do this one tune, and this is so sweet, when we went to Ireland, when the orchestra toured in Ireland, two of the husbands of the people came along on the tour. and I want to hear the story. you got to paint the picture. So you're talking about the, the New England Irish Harp Orchestra, yeah. which is how many people? Well, 10 people went over at that time. Okay. How so, many people are in the orchestra generally? Uh, it's it's anywhere, anywhere from 10 to 14. Is it, is it okay if I characterize this as a lot of people who would not consider themselves professional musicians? Oh, every one of them, except for one. <laughs> <laughs> and so, I, I mean, I, I, I've, I've actually recorded some of you guys, I don't, you know, at different times, but um, it's adorable. It's and adorable. there are a number of, of elderly people in the band, but at the same time, there aren't. I mean, there's young people. It's it's compelling. It's it's It feels good when you're around it. It's like being around, like when you, well, I don't want to do that. It's awesome. It's like, it's like when you're in nature and you're around this beautiful place and you're like, it's just, ah, you can't, you can't be in a bad mood around you guys, right? (laughs) Because it's like a bunch of people who wouldn't do this by themselves, but they're by the grace of the fact that everybody's effing doing it. They all seem to be doing it. And it's it's very contagious. It is. It is. Right. Okay. So you, so 10 of you. Ten of us went over. Went over to Ireland. Okay, go ahead. And two of them had their husbands with them. Right. And and these are not professional musicians. You're a professional musician. Most yeah. of the people involved are just going to do what they do during the day, and then they're going to go to rehearsal on some day. Mm-hmm. And so this is a big deal for them to get their asses out deal. to Ireland. Yeah. It was a very big deal. Yeah. So the two husbands kind of bonded over this trip, right? And it was so funny when we got back to the States, the two wives said, we have to make a play date for the boys, which was hysterical. But as the thing of it is, is that (laughs) these guys also play music. They also play music on the side just as a, and, and 
uh, Chris plays the recorder and um, and Mark plays the concertina. So so the four of them over the last couple of years have been getting together and they learned one of the tunes that we play in the orchestra. And I said, this is great. I want you guys to come and play in the concert with us because it'll just be like another dimension other than harps. And so they did. And this was hysterical because, you know, we, we do these concerts and so the tune has to get played all the time. And so when we were done going back to this thing about spending a long time with the tune when we were done the concert the, the two guys were saying oh they're so sick of this song I'm like really because we've been playing the same song for ten and a half years <laughs> and you've just been doing it for a month <laughs> kind of goes back to exploring the depth in the tunes yeah yeah it's like there's like a connection I think there's a connection with people who dabble with music and then with with their songs that they learn, like so, you mm-hmm. the first couple of songs you learn are like the best songs ever, mm-hmm. and you remember from forever. Mm-hmm. And you're all like, you're gonna be like ninety, you'd be like closing time. <laughs> <laughs> it's a party, but oh, not. The, oh yeah, that, that that's oh that is a lot of people's first song, right? <laughs> yeah, I know I'm gonna take it home, right? Yeah. Anyway, so uh, but you know anyway, but so there's those then. You get like the sort of mid-level musician who's like going to do it. They've been doing mm-hmm. it. They're going to do it for the rest of their lives. And then maybe they play in front of people from time to time. But mm-hmm. It's not really the point. They just love mm-hmm. music and they're going to do it. And we all know people like that are just mm-hmm. going to be musicians. It's always going to be music in their lives. Right. They may mm-hmm. play it or you know, see it. It's just something they do, right? Those people are going to connect to like, look at all these songs that I learned and all these things we could do and all these experiences that I had, right? But then I think the people who get deeper into the into at least the performance aspect of it, know that the songs are kind of a vehicle for this greater thing. Mm. It's The songs are important, and especially if you wrote a song, now it's connected to you and all that, and there's, there's a lot of angles to that. But I think a great performer, you're like, just give me a song to sing and I'll go do it. Right. Or give me a song to play and I'll, I'm going to figure out a way. It doesn't really matter. I've got this. You know, We're going to do this, right? Yeah. And I think that's one of the things that I pull out of the, again, I'm going to be way off on this, but I pull out of the, the sort of the Irish music experience, mm-hmm. which is, it's like, okay, we're going to play fill in the blank this song, which pretty much everybody at every session is going to play at some point. It's the right. free bird of Irish <laughs> yeah, music, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? So, <laughs> yeah, we have a few of those. Yeah. yeah, you have one, right? Just a few. So, right. And, and so... And when we play this, pretty much everybody who's hip to this is going to know it. And they're all going to expect it. And we're going to blast through it. So why are we doing this? Because tonight it's going to be this way. Or tonight mm-hmm. this is mm-hmm. how I feel. Or mm-hmm. tonight this is my you know, horse that I'm going to ride off into the sunset yeah. on. Yeah. And it does feel different. Yeah. Am I crazy? Yeah, oh, no, no. It's, I mean, you can... I go to various sessions and you know, sometimes they're, they're just magic. Because the shit happens and everybody's on the same page. It's the same music. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's the same pieces you've been Excellent playing. Pieces we've it's been the same playing. people that, that yep. two towns over, there's a session, they're playing, they're playing over there. playing the same thing, right? Why is that? What is, what is happening, in your opinion? Right. Boy, am I full of two big questions. <laughs> yeah, I know. Why does that happen? Yeah, I, I shouldn't ask questions like that. I know. They, I don't know that I could put a finger Has on it. Has it happened for you before? Oh, God, all the okay, time. Okay, can you yeah. think of an example of a time where... I'm just trying to cut the question. Down. Yeah. So so can you think of a time where that... Yeah, yeah, okay, go. absolutely. This was over in Killarney at the gathering, as a matter of fact. And as we always say, the magic happens like after four o'clock in the morning. It just... 
That's just when the magic you happens. You guys always say that. I don't usually yeah, say sure. that. Do you say that, Frank? I do. Okay. I do. <laughs> wow. The Irish people say it. Because <laughs> yeah, that's morning, when the magic happens. happens. Well, yeah, you're too exhausted to get in your own way. <laughs> good, good point. The Irish are not exhausted. I don't know how they do it. <laughs> they are just raring to go. But we were, uh, <laughs> we were over there, and Dervish was the was the headlining band at the festival. And Dervish is um, has Kathy Jordan is the singer, and and she's a beautiful singer. Just as an aside, one of the wonderful things about Irish music is that there are no prima donnas in Irish music. So the Dervish is up on the stage playing, and the next minute they're down at the bar with you, and they're playing in the session with you. And that's true for all the Irish musicians. And that, to me, is like one of the best gifts of Irish music, because I don't see that in any other form of music. But I could be wrong about that. But anyway, so we're, we're it's 4 o'clock in the morning, and, and Dervish is there. Uh, most of the members of Dervish are there, and Kathy Jordan's there, and she's singing, and she has just a just a beautiful voice. And then I played something on the harp. I don't really remember what it was that I played. And she came up over to me and she gave me a big hug and she said, that's just the way it should be. And I'm like, okay, I just died and went to heaven. It's <laughs> 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 goddamn session I've so ever been at. <laughs> why, why, so you're saying you don't know why that was just so magic. It was a moment. I think when you get in that magical four o'clock in the morning time, you all defenses are down and you just lay it out on the table and it doesn't matter because probably a lot of the people there have had too much to drink or not but everybody's just there to just soak it up and take it in and it's everything just comes from the heart at that time i i I see it time and time again in those late night sessions it's just the best and you know i go i go to a session every night every monday down at the green briar and i don't get to bed till two o'clock in the morning on tuesday mornings and tony says why do you stay out so late because the shit happens at the end of the session yeah (laughs) it's when it happens and i don't want to miss it (laughs) well this is a conflict you know with um it's a completely different way of looking at it but yeah it's another thing that comes up on the podcast is the conflict between commerce and making a living and art and music and creativity mm-hmm. and all mm-hmm. that. And yeah, it's hard to sell tickets at three forty five AM. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And 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 only a very few lucky people ever get to hear that or experience No, but that's what that. I'm getting at. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. And it seems to be built into the music, going back to what we were saying before, where you're just kinda like, Well, let's just play something, you know, like play mm-hmm. it now, mm-hmm. like let's keep going. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Interesting. It it feels sort of addicting or addictive oh, or addictive. An, oh, yeah. An, yeah. an addiction or I know people who go to sessions every night of the week. And wow, I, say yeah. that again. I mean Yeah, they do. And I could never do that. There's just no way. I mean, maybe I could do it if I was a more of a stronger melody player, but playing a company mid seven nights of the week is just like boring it's so funny <laughs> it's wow really like boring. your reason why you're not doing it has <laughs> well, nothing no, to do with what i thought you were gonna right. say well, no, well, no. if i played <laughs> melody i would definitely be out every night no, no. <laughs> there are definitely other reasons why i can't go out every night but <laughs> no i don't mean that <laughs> i'd have I mean, more of an argument with myself no, if i was would, a strong melody player you, but you could be as satisfied playing those say that same not they're not all the same but well no but yeah because if especially if you're in different sessions you hear different approaches to them and and um, it's funny, Mary in the Harp Orchestra plays at the session up at Barra in Portsmouth on Sundays. And we're doing a tune with the orchestra, Snowy Path. And and she was having a hard time with it. I had orchestrated it, so there's some kind of offbeats and stuff going in it. And she says, we just don't play it that way. But the session, I'm having a hard time with it. Right. Well, that's something 
Yeah, I mean, we won't get, let's not go deep on it, but just to call it out. If you learn the material the way you're talking about it, it seems as if there's going to be a personal connection to the expression that goes with it. So taking the example of the person you were just talking about, Mm -hmm. this is how I want to hear the song. It's going to go this way. Then if I need to play it a different way, a learned musician, someone who, you know, whatever, went to music school and da-da-da, it's go- is going to see the challenge. Oh, can I play it this way? That'll be cool. Let's try it this way and see <laughs> how that reflects off of my experiences and all my loves and hates and all the experiences. But someone who's just tied right to that song, who didn't do it from the mathematical side, who didn't come into it from that angle, mm-hmm. could be like, yeah, it just doesn't go that way. Right, right, right. Oh, yeah, and a lot of people feel that. Especially, like, I was at a dance on Sunday, and, and I was kind of going back before, back and forth between playing the harp and dancing, you know, because I just do that when I dare. But when I'm playing at that for the dance, there's no messing around. It's on the beat, can't screw around, can't do any offbeats, everything has to be just the way it is because now I'm the rhythm for the dance for the most part. You feel the responsibility to make the the piece sound the way they want it to sound. Yes, make it, it's dance music so I have to provide the beat for them so I can't ever deviate up there when I'm doing that. So the the creativity is not where you are right there. The creativity is you're putting it up for the dancers to feel like they're in that moment. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, interesting. Well, and it's funny, there's a guy... (laughs) There's a guy at the session at the Greenbrier who's actually, he's a priest, and he's a great accordion player, although he plays the piano accordion, which isn't that common in Irish music, but he is hands down fabulous, and he plays for the dance competitions. And I looked at him, I said, that's my idea of hell. I would never do that because you have to play. Exa- There's no creativity at all. You have to play right. on the beat for the dancer because that's what they're dancing to. And he's like eight hours of doing that. I'd shoot myself. And he said he loves it. And I'm like, oh, God bless you because I could never do that. There's so many jokes I'm not making right now. <laughs> you know, there's like four reasons that I can think of right now why someone would want to play that show and not care that it was boring. But anyway. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it depends what you want to get out of music, too, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, do you want to input your personality into it, or do you just want to play how it's, you know, quote-unquote supposed to be played? Right. And I think he also, I think one aspect on his side, anyway, is that he wants to do it for the dancers. So, exactly. You're yeah. serving the song served, or the yeah. performance, mm-hmm. whichever, rather yeah. than, you know, whatever. Right. Yeah. We're th- that I would never, I would never want to do that. But, you know, great for him that he does. Well, I mean, to call you out, you, you, you will drive to some godforsaken place and schlep 14 harps <laughs> and get all those people to stop fucking around <laughs> and start playing and so you have your own set of motivations that i personally think what you do with that harp orchestra is hell you're <laughs> defining hell i would much rather be like oh i'm gonna hang out in the corner here just bang out some piano while you guys dance hey you want to talk while i'm doing this Briggs? awesome so what did you do today Bam, bam, bam. Awesome, great. Then go to drive to freaking who knows where with 14, you know, far too old to be children. Yes. People acting like children. I am I make it jokes. I, I, I totally get what you're doing. Okay, so uh, we could do this forever. Let's, uh, would you mind if we run some of the, because uh, you're a little bit of an outlier to the podcast, do you mind if we run some of the things we like to usually run by the people in the podcast? Sure. Okay. So what was the first recording you ever 
bought yourself or you ever was your first thing? Did you have like records or like uh, cassette tapes or anything like that when you were a little kid? Do you have anything that was yours? Recorded music? Records. Records and the very first one, at least, I'm sure there were some before that because I'm sure I had 45s, but really the album that was the pivotal one for me was the first Crosby, Stills and Nash. Wow. I did <laughs> not see that coming. I was, I was expecting, considering proximity to New York City, Considering the time, I was expecting you would go to the musical. That's oh, well, we had, you know, my family had them all. Right, but right? so it wasn't like yours. Yeah, no, so no. You, uh, you went right to it. So really, what, what, do you remember what was compelling? Was it yes, just, I know exactly what was compelling. Oh, okay. because, because I sang in a choir all my, t- all my entire, you know, my life as a kid. Their harmonies. It was their harmonies. It was, these were rock musicians doing incredible harmonies. I called up my friends. I said, you all got to come over yeah, and Tuesday listen to this. Tuesday and Saturdays. Right? <laughs> I just listened. I, I was Spotifying. Oh, yeah. uh, and one of the, so like a Stephen Stills song came up in my Spotify. Yep. And I'm like, fuck, I love Stephen Stills. Why mm. do I never listen to Stephen mm, Stills? Mm. And I went and did like my favorite Spotify thing, which is you go to the earliest version. Right. Mm-hmm. And you just listen to the album. And I'm like, Oh my God! I like every one of these songs. Mm. Yeah. So like tough and mean, yeah, yeah, and yeah. like the guy could be a biker, obviously not. Mm-hmm. And then at the same time, really honest and really authentic and stuff. Yeah, yeah, wow. Sweet Judy Blue Eyes. That's what Holy I'm saying. Shit. No, but he yeah. wrote the damn yeah. thing. There's yeah. actually a Stephen Stills in Spotify. There's a Stephen Stills album. It's called something like Just Roll the Tape or whatever. And it's him. It basically doing that he goes into the studio because you remember I mean, people weren't carrying around right. little recording machines <laughs> early 70s right he goes in the studio and goes basically I'm going to play a bunch of demos he just him he just does what we're doing here just walks up to the mic his guitar and his things and he sings like eight songs you know one of them is Sweet Judy Blue Eyes right oh, yeah. and then these other great songs like every song is a killer yeah, yeah. right he's got change partners all, all these oh, things are all in there Fabulous. And then you, then when you realize how many times you've heard these songs, and he was just a dude who walks over to the mics, hit the tape, let's just do this. Mm-hmm. You're like, damn, son, that's like, <laughs> wow. Anyway, wow. So that's that's a wow. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so you were drawn to the way the music sounded. It was probably topical and cool at the time, yeah. but it also was in this three-part, four-part The harmonies, three-part yeah. Harmony it was amazing. Time, yeah. And Joni Mitchell and Laura Nero. Oh, stop. Yeah. Yeah, just yeah. stop. Yeah. yeah. They, I mean, we used to, my friend Jimmy Crowley and I used to go, because we lived right across the river from New York City, and Laura Nero lived on the upper 80s, and we'd go up and down the street, yo, Laura, come on out. I saw her in concert numerous times. This is such a great story. <laughs> you would go outside yeah, Laura Nero's part and you'd be like, yo, Laura, damn, this is like a movie like that you can just see. I can see in my head. Yeah. Did, oh, did you ever have any indication mm. that that was a well-received moment? Nah, I don't know. No? <laughs> Never she heard didn't whip a joint or two out of the side. The cupcakes for us, that's for sure. <laughs> Did you ever see Joni Mitchell? Mm-hmm. Oh, no. You got to tell me. Now you're in my zone. I mean, wow. Oh, God. I love Joni Mitchell. We saw so many people. We, 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 went, we were going to see concerts over at the Fillmore East. So we saw so many. We saw Laura Nero there. So, uh, did I see Crosby, Stills, and Nash? I don't know. I was kind of stoned a lot of the time, so I don't really remember. <laughs> <laughs> we saw a lot of people over there. It was it was amazing. It was totally amazing. Can you remember seeing Joni Mitchell? 
I'm pretty sure I'm, I did. Obviously you did. Right. I'm I mean, pretty sure I did. Yeah, right. <laughs> I'm not 100. Well, those certain. kind of shows, and tell me if I'm wrong, but I mean, those kind of shows had a tendency to be like a lineup set. Yeah, they were. They were. They were amazing musicians all coming on. Yeah, but that's the, the thing. They wouldn't. They you wouldn't see one musician for two hours. You'd yeah. see a musician play a forty minute set or whatever, and then mm-hmm. they go to someone else. It's almost like a comedy show. Yeah, where you'd yeah, see yeah. A bunch yeah, of yeah, yeah. You see a bunch of. Yeah, I had actually. I had tickets for Woodstock. And my father wouldn't let me go. He was a smart man. <laughs> I have to say because I think my life path, that rationale my came life out path way too fast would have been really different <laughs> had I gone to Woodstock. I don't you think actually I'd be sitting had. Here. I actually had tickets. And my father said no. I mean, I was like thirteen or fourteen. I forget. I was. Oh, I'm young. not saying you made the 15, wrong decision. Maybe, but yeah, wow. would not have been a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> and I think for my general well-being. <laughs> yeah, no, he was not yeah, letting for, me go. And I don't think he even knew what it was, but there was no way. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, you're like, yeah, go to a field somewhere. Yeah, right. Because right. well, if you had tickets for it, thank you, Jack. If you had, <laughs> if you had tickets for it, it wasn't as big as it ended up being right, when you had tickets. Right, right, right. right. So it must have just been like, Oh God damn! You're gonna go hang with those hippies? Screw right. that shit! Yeah, no, right. that ain't happening. Right? Wow. <laughs> and, my, and my friend, we had tickets, and none of our parents would let us go. <laughs> they were smart. <laughs> Is it too painful for me to ask you what happened to the tickets? I have no idea. We probably smoked them. <laughs> <laughs> do with them really wow <laughs> it wasn't like i could go up there and scalp them right everybody who turned this podcast off about 20 minutes in were like oh great they're gonna talk about irish harp just yeah. blew it right <laughs> <laughs> i was at i was at i was at a uh at a, at whatever i was at at someone's house uh in uh north of boston along you know sort of in the ipswich area that kind mm-hmm. of thing right on the right on the on the on the coast and the beautiful place. And I didn't make it mean to make you cry, Ron. No, not at all. I was <laughs> yawning. I'm not, I'm laughing, <laughs> laughing my laughing my ass off. I, I'm picturing you smoking <laughs> Woodstock tickets, and all the people in the future going, "No!" Well, I mean, if you didn't get to go, it's probably the second. Yeah, best thing. Like, it's the second best thing to do, right? <laughs> so, but I'm over there at this guy's place, it's beautiful. He's a uh, musical and the whole thing. He's a great composer and and very rich guy and look out looking out over all these yachts and all that and you go into the go into the bathroom and up on the wall he's got like two original woodstock tickets, tickets but they're like framed with like all this stuff and it's it's like beautifully placed and all that gee had i saved them i could probably have made a lot of money no. selling them. <laughs> not if they were half burned You're like damn no hold up <laughs> Wow, it's actually be worth more. Yeah, no, really? Fantastic. <laughs> wow. So, see, these questions are fucking yeah, great. Right? Hey, okay, you ready for road stories? Okay. Road hey, stories. Briggs, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, why don't you run this one? Yeah, road stories. So, uh, what <laughs> 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 any good road stories? Uh, best gig, worst gig? Hmm. Something interesting. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> best and worst at the same time. Sure. Okay. We're back with the harp orchestra in Ireland, okay? There were 10 of us harp players that went over. Five of us brought our own harps over. Five of us were given harps to use by this harp maker, Tim O'Carroll, in Killarney. He gave us the harps to use, okay? So he didn't charge us anything for it. Great, great guy. 
the second concert that we're going to do is in this old stone church in Killarney. And we're in the church and we're setting up a stone, everything stone, floors, everything stone. George, the oldest member of the harp orchestra at the time who was on tour with us, he was 89. He turns around, knocks one of the harps over and completely destroys it. Well, oh, just from it falling over on the well, it's just an hour and a half castle. before we're supposed to go on the stage, yeah. and it's not our harp. Wow. Yeah, it was horrible. It was just really horrible. So I kind of just had to turn away from it, take a deep breath, go get George settled. You know, tell everybody we got a show to put on. Get up on stage and tune your harps and do what you have to do. And fifteen minutes later, Tim O'Carroll, the harp maker, yeah, walks into the church. How's it going, Regina? I said, well, Tim, we have a problem. I said, what's the matter? I said, well, one of the harpers turned around, knocked your harp over, and it's completely destroyed. And Tim says, did anybody get hurt? I said, no, Tim, but your harp is completely destroyed. He said, oh, it's not a bother, Regina. I have another harp out in the car. Would you like it? <laughs> that's, yes. when I, that's when I broke down and started crying. Oh, yeah. yeah I mean, oh, my. I still get teary-eyed when I think about it. He was a saint. That's great. He was a saint. He was an absolute, hands-down saint. And so then, to end <laughs> the funny part of that hey, story. Hey, Tim, there's more. <laughs> there's more. Oh, yeah, there's way more. So George broke the second one, too. Yeah. Yeah. Close enough? Oh, man, did I blow the story? Well, that's one part of it. So <laughs> <laughs> the, the last thing we're doing in Ireland is this big festival that's going to have 70 harps in it. And there's three tiers of staging. And um, they didn't put any backing between the tiers of staging, but they right. did put black, um, uh, like, curtain-type thing. Yeah, sure. Just fabric or whatever. And so there's 70 chairs and harps on these three, three tiers of staging, like, all on top of one another. Yep. And George sat down. And she said, it wasn't his fault. George sat down on his chair. The chair went through the back of the thing. He knocked another of Tim O'Carroll's harps <laughs> over. <laughs> Luckily, this only got a nick, so okay. it didn't well, get totally Not destroyed, totally right? Destroyed. So we come to the end of the tour, and I tell everybody, we had been doing some fundraising for the tour, and I tell everybody, I said, look, we're going to give that money to Tim O'Carroll, because sure. we destroyed one of his harps, and right. we nicked one of the other one, and they were all like, absolutely. So this is such an Irish thing, it's kind of hysterical. So I go to the bank, I get a bank check made out in euros, I send it registered mail, return receipt requested over to Tim O'Carroll. Two weeks go by, I don't hear anything from Tim, and I'm a little concerned. So I, I can't remember whether I emailed him or I phoned him. I'm not really sure. I said, Tim, I sent you something in the mail. Did you get it? And I said, I sent you a registered letter. And he said, oh. He said, oh, Gene. He said, um, I was away for a week, and I came back. And I saw that I had registered mail, and um, that never means anything good, so I wasn't going to go get it. <laughs> he just left it there. <laughs> he just left it there. And I'm like, well, Tim, there's a lot of money there for you. Right. <laughs> and so as soon as I got off the phone with Tim, I called my daughter. I said, Alana, you're not gonna, you are going to believe this because you know the Irish really well. And I told her the story, and she was hysterical laughing. I said, it's so <laughs> typical Irish. Registered mail, I can't mean anything good. I, it must be the tax collector. I'm not going to go get it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, he, I mean, he was a saint. Because when I told him about the second harp, again, he was like, Regina, not a bother. 
don't worry about it at all. And I'm like, Tim, I said, if you went up to the stage and took all your harps and left us there, I would not be upset with you. You would have every right to do that. Wow. Yeah. He, what a great guy. He is a great guy. I, and I see him every year when I go back and he's, and he's, he's making really good harps and um, he's, he's, he's going he's gonna to do well because he's just a fabulous person. That, that was my kind of horrific road horrific and wonderful at the same time worst with the best worst with the best yeah i i do remember that when i and everybody in the harp orchestra was great you know i kind of i really kind of felt that at one point you know something was going to blow up you know can't be together for 12 days with 14 people and not have something blow up yeah and and with that many harps as well yeah never mind the personality and nobody did i mean there was it, it just never it never blew up at all there were some issues with the festival that we went the last week that we were there playing in and I had to deal with that and but it was not the harp orchestra and but I when I got home I just kind of went into this catatonic state and I just said to my husband like you don't talk to me for a week I'm just gonna go up to bed and I don't want to come out for a while because <laughs> it was I mean I had this huge van yeah. that I was driving all the harps in that had no windows and you drive on the other side of the road in right. Ireland and you know, so I'm responsible for all these harps, this van, all of these people. And I hadn't been over to Ireland in the summer since 1994. Okay. So I, I had no idea what the traffic was like. Right. The first two gigs, we almost didn't get there on time. Because wow. I just had never factored in that was gonna, there was going to be traffic. I'm there in February. There's no traffic in right. Ireland in February. And I had not factored that in at all. And I we would be like four blocks from the gig and I couldn't get there. I'm at a dead stop. And it's not like we can take the harps and carry them there. Right. You're in an enormous van full I, of harps <laughs> stuck in traffic. I can't get there. Right. And I'm like, ah. So it it was a t- it was those things made the the tour tense, but everybody right. else made it great. They were well, that's good. It, they're just a fabulous bunch of people. But but Tim O'Carroll with not picking up the the check for the harps just i la- every time i think about it i laugh he's just he's yeah, just right? such a typical irish thing to do <laughs> I, you know no no it could never be anything good if it's registered if That's it's registered mail it's going to be the tax collector there's no way there's going to be anything good coming out of that but uh <laughs> so, but he's he's really so, th- so that I, yeah that was i think the other the germany tour was 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 great i mean i think the high points were meeting the really great people um. Yeah, the, the Ireland trip really had the most uh, interesting aspects to sure. it. Sure, you know, I lost my favorite pair of shoes in Ireland. Unfortunately, I had these blue suede boots that I used to dance in, and when I got home and I opened up my suitcase, they weren't in it. I was very upset about that. <laughs> 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 I'm not normally tied to things like that, but man, I mean, if that's the worst I thing that happens shoes. on tour, that's not that bad. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's true. <laughs> Do you remember uh, at some point making the jump into like going I- I- Irish music? I mean, because what you're talking about is you went from ballet, yeah. church singing. Musicals, my family sang musicals, yeah. Getting uh, wicked high and listening to hippie music. <laughs> <laughs> when did did you did you have did you see a show or was there a recording? What, what was that? Was there an, was can you pinpoint it or was it a slow? It was probably right thing? around the time of uh, Riverdance. Well, the the in New Hampshire they f- had this um, Seacoast Iris Association that I joined, okay. and I started going. Although I don't, I, to, you know, to tell you the truth, Ron, I don't know what 
kind of put me over the edge with that. I remember when I moved up here, like I used to march in the St. Paddy's Day Parade down in New York. My school marched, so we marched. And blah, 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 all the Irish-American music, but that wasn't traditional music, and I didn't know anything about traditional music. And um, we came up here, and somehow or other I got a couple of the Chieftains albums, and so I would put them on on St. Patrick's Day, and that was really kind of, you know, my only knowledge of, of traditional music. And then... I was working as a nurse up in Rochester, and one of the nurses said, you know, there's a session in this bar in Dover, this Irish session, you might want to go down to it. So Rochester, New Hampshire, and Dover, New Hampshire. Keep yeah. Going. Yep. And so I went down there, and I, I sang, because it was the only thing I could do, you know, and people started giving me tapes to listen to, and then I picked up the baron, and I played the baron for a while. Baron is a, uh, looks like around, a frame drum. Around Irish right. drum. Yeah, like a tambourine without mm-hmm. the tambourine part. Yep, right. yep. And I did that for a while. And and would sing and and that was kind of going great guns until you gave me a harp. What are you talking about? You don't remember that? I do, but I don't. I remember you saying, "Hey, I you have this." I well, okay. So without, I don't want to get into the, the whole family thing here. But the, the short of it is, I come from a family of musicians. My mom plays the classical harp, and also for a while played. She still does. She plays the Celtic harp. She's not a traditional uh, player. I mean, she's a classical harpist, but but it, she had some of these extras. And I had grabbed the harp for a recording that I was making, which had nothing to do with this at all. It had nothing mm-hmm. to do with quite Irish music. Right. I just needed a little harp. It's probably an Asian kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I was doing a stereotypical Asian kind of harp thing, you know, tune it in pentatonics and the whole thing or incense scale. Mm-hmm. And you saw it, and I think you said, it like, where did that, or you made the connection? I know you yeah, knew my mom I, and all yeah, that kind of I, stuff. Yeah. Well, no, I actually didn't know your okay. mom at that all point. Right. And I said, oh, I've always wanted to try that. And you said, here. And you kind of showed me the rudimentary, how to get up and down the harp. And I yeah. had played the piano as a kid, so I kind of had some knowledge I had no idea. Uh, Regina, I didn't know. That was certainly not part of the uh, inviting you to do the podcast. I didn't, I don't remember this. I mean, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. absolutely. It, you yeah, wow. totally started the mayhem in my life. <laughs> so, well, and your, hus- your husband still talks yeah, to me. Yeah, and he yeah, hasn't, yeah. He hasn't no, it's kind of amazing. With, with both barrels since then. It is so kind of amazing good. you're still alive. It is true. Considering all the mayhem that I brought into your you life. You have brought a lot of mayhem wow. into my life. Right. No, I, you can't blame the Irish thing on No, me, no, so I can't no. because, you know, I, I took the harp I'm home. not Irish, so you can't blame me. <laughs> And <laughs> I started thinking around on it and I had it for about three weeks and I said, oh, this is just much bigger than me. I really need to get a teacher. And <laughs> just to be it was clear, mom. The, you are a small person, but the harp wasn't larger than you. You mean you're <laughs> saying the, 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 the job of it, right? And then over over the years, you, 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 you from there, but, but I, I don't know that I'm really getting the question across. Was there like an influence? What's the influence? Where did this come from? Um, well, I, I, I'm Irish, so, right, 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 so I'm 100% Irish on both sides of my family, and I remember for some reason, and I don't really know why or where this came from, I was the only one in my family that was interested in things Irish. I remember when I was a kid that, and I don't know how all this was going to come about, but I was going to spend a summer on a farm in Ireland. I was little, I was like maybe 10 or 11 or 12, and I was so excited that I was going to do this, and then, and then one day my father says, no, you can't do it. And I'm like, why? What happened? He said, well, we learned that there's only, you know, farmer guys on the farm. 
And I did not know what he was getting at. I had no <laughs> freaking idea. You're a ballet dancer, <laughs> and you're not getting the point. <laughs> and I'm not getting the point. Why can't I go? Because there's only guys on the farm. But why can't I well, go? I'll be safe then, because <laughs> they'll all protect me. Yeah, no, that didn't happen. I couldn't understand it. But but I'm the only one that had that interest in that. Um, I just, I love... You don't remember why. It just was always there. Don't know why. Because it's not like my parents had any connection to Ireland. I mean, we're Irish, okay? But they had no connection to relatives there or anything like that. I'm third and fourth generation. So there was no correspondence back and forth. Nobody had ever been over to Ireland. We had... My father was very involved in the Jesuit college in Jersey City, St. Peter's College, and there, the the brother who was the cook for the college, Liam Feeney, was Irish-born. Yes, matter of fact, he had a price on his head because he was in the IRA, couldn't go back to Ireland. So he was over our house all the time. And maybe, I wonder if he was instrumental in doing that. I mean, I don't know. He was there all the time. He was telling us stories. That must have been pretty romantic. Uh, not romantic, romantic, but you know what I mean, romantic. It must yep. have been like a... He must have seemed like a larger than life yeah, 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 yeah. figure. Yeah. Especially, did you know when you were little that he had a price on his head? And well, the whole like thing? a little like, bit older, yeah. But yeah, I did. I mean, I yeah. did when I was when I like I was a young teenager. Older. I knew. Yeah. yeah that's yeah. what I meant. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like yeah. I mean, that's got to be like, especially in that it's rebellious heavy, right? time. Yeah, 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 yeah. Super heavy yeah, and yeah. real and yeah. like yeah. I mean, young boys in that uh, in that sort of age group at that time were, would you know, would decide to go to the military. I mean, yeah. and, I mean, I mean now, yeah. I mean, that's yeah. where those decisions get made. Right. Yeah. So that's interesting. Yeah. But, but the music of Ireland was just sort of came over time. Then, huh? Yeah. Yeah. And again, I think the chieftains CDs were probably the f- my first. Have you met initiation. the people in the chieftains? I've met. No, no, I didn't. I the total Kaylee band I met. I've never met anybody in the chieftains. Mm-mm. Yeah. Who was the, um, Derek Bell. El, uh, no, who is the uh, Ilian? The Pipe? Ilian Piper that oh. I that I saw you play with. He was great, Patty Keenan. Oh man, I love that oh, guy. Oh yeah, yeah, that was he like uh, that is. was one of those shows where I was like, oh man, like I gotta. He's the king of the pipers. First, I need to drink like five beers right now <laughs> and then like just enjoy. It was it was not in a fancy place. No, it was some yeah. little place. It was up in Red and Shorties up in Dover, yeah. Exactly, yeah. right? You're like, no, yeah, Rollingsford, like, Rollingsford. Yeah, it's actually, like exactly. Yeah. It's like halfway between, you know, Dover and Berwick or something. Which is kind yeah. of amazing because Patty's play, played on world stages everywhere. That's what I meant yeah, is you yeah, go in yeah. and some people are just dripping with experience. <gasps> when, they, when they play their instrument, it's not, the performance of the instrument is not a relevant concept mm-hmm, anymore. Mm-hmm. It's, no, it's, it's not. No one's going, all right, everybody be quiet. I'm going to play you something. No one's going, I, if I do it this way, I think they're really going to like me. He's just doing it. He's it just doing is it. him, is it, is the music. He's a really interesting guy. He's uh, of a traveler family, so you you don't know that terminology. So in Ireland, they're called the travelers, but they would also be referred to as gypsies or tinkers. Okay, so they lived in caravans. They traveled around the country, and and some of the most brilliant musicians came out of the traveler families. And the Keenan family was one of them. And Paddy's father was Ilian Piper, and um, Paddy played from the time he was a young boy. It was just part of his body, you know. Could have totally. Take a flyer on this one. Musicians, people who are, I don't know what's a good word, like tough, um, people who have had a difficult life. Mm. Am I making connections here? Oh, yeah. What do you I'm think? Sure it's a difficult I'm just life, guessing yeah. that you yeah. have like a, a like some sort of connection to 
to that. Is that what you're saying? No. Um, a lot of musicians would not ever haul off and punch somebody in the face. Put it that way, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it just certainly if you if you pull your average pop musician, that's they not want to hurt their hands. Well, it's just like a thing, right? It's like that's <laughs> sure. not what the motivation is. Whereas. Look like punk musicians, right? A lot of punk musicians would haul off and knock somebody <laughs> in the face, right? Yeah. And so you would expect that you would be able to get a different piece of emotion, Vibe, yeah. a different feel from mm-hmm. that type of music. Even if someone plays something that may not fall into that genre, you're still going to get that depth, mm-hmm. that 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 quality yeah. in in the playing in the music. I don't believe I believe it's certainly possible through artifice for a musician to play not themselves, like an actor who's, right, right, who's right. acting something mm-hmm. completely nothing like mm-hmm, them. Mm-hmm. But I think part of that still comes from somehow assimilating the experience you've had in your life into the moment yeah. and all that kind of stuff. But that's one of the things I got out of Patty. I don't mean that he would he would ever punch somebody in the face or not, but I got that feeling of just like, I am not interested in making you appreciate me right now <laughs> we're just doing this you yeah, know and it's yeah. so seems so simple and so pure oh it is and he was he was so great to the band when we were together like he gave claudia a number of really beautiful whistles you know just really gorgeous low whistles and just gave, gave them to her just yeah. gave them to her and taught her how to play them and you know gave her the kind of the basics and stuff like that and and he did a couple of concerts with us which if I, if i remember I don't remember accurately, but tell me if I'm off. But mm-hmm. that that whole time right there, like playing with him, playing around him, that was a big thing for you. It was a huge thing. How was, was that a big thing? thing? Well, because he is a world class musician in the Irish world. He's he's just world class, and we were just this dipshit little band from New Hampshire. And he did concerts. And there's with people us. like me going, "You're not a dipshit little band. <laughs> you do this fantastic stuff." Well, in relation to Patty. Yeah, you know, it's, a, it's yeah. like, okay, so there you go. So he, and he was just totally nonplussed, you know, sure, I'll do it. Yeah, great. You know, and he, like, he lives sometimes outside of Concord and he'll go to the Concord session and just sit in, jam with everybody. Yeah, I mean, it, I mean, that, that's, I mean, that's really true pretty much for all Irish musicians. That's one of the things, as I said before, I, I love about Irish music is there there are really no prima donnas and everybody gets down and dirty with everyone and yeah. you know they'll go up on stage and they'll you know play before five thousand people and then they'll be in the bar and playing in the session and God I just, I think that's great. So uh, a lot another thing that comes up on the podcast would be a number of people will lament the you know places to play seem to be going away and whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't get that vibe from you. I feel like there's a number of places for people to play Irish music. Is that off or are they slowly going away or no well um i i don't know you know it's kind of what happened when riverdance hit the scene it was just like the celtic cash cow as you as we have referred to before i mean it was crazy and irish musicians could play everywhere and then of course you know that kind of went away so there's there's a lot less of that i mean there's certainly a number of places to play sessions not quite as many for performances because, again, it's, you know, it's a niche type of music. It's not like every bar is going to have... It's not like, you know, rock, I think rock bands probably have a better chance at getting a place to play. I mean, I'm not saying... Yes, I think it's the other way around. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm actually... Well, I'm, only because I think right. there's more venues that are open to having a rock band versus having no, that, an Irish music. No, this is kind of what I'm getting at. Yeah. This is a little... I, um, I have a little agenda here. I mean, <laughs> who still has a gig? Who still has a gig? 
the Irish musician still has a gig. It may not be a fantastic gig, but while this, oh, I got this new EDM thing, I'm going to do this thing where we have these dancers and all that, and they look at the Irish music session like, ha ha, what are you guys doing? I'm going off and doing this. You're going to do that for a year or two. You know who's still going to have a gig? People who are playing time-honored, beautiful, wonderful right, music. Yeah. Why, right. why would it ever stop? Mm. But there's no reason to not do this. Oh yeah, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, there's no reason. Not well, there's to a lot it. of reasons not to play the, sure. the 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 you know pizza of the day kind of music. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like it comes and goes, and it's, yeah, yeah, and and you watch, you know, the the sort of the, the arrogance and the ego that goes along with. Oh, look at all the people who love me right now, and you're going, man, you know, like I mean, awesome. I mean, not taking any away from that, but it, it's not a it's not a sustainable mode. Yeah, no, you right. know, it might be sustainable for a couple of people, but you know who still has a gig? Who doesn't use the gig? But f- Joni Mitchell still has a gig, yeah, because the fucking songs are yeah, unbelievable, yeah, unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and that and that talent and and who has a gig? The, the great old blues guys still mm-hmm. have a gig. Never really had at all. Maybe a little bit of yeah, fame here or there, but you you do have that gig. I was thinking about that the other day. I was listening to some um, radio station that was playing kind of older, you know, music, and I'm thinking, so all these bands that have two or three big hits what are these guys doing now painting houses <laughs> I mean, kind of, this kind of whole thought process i'm not joking going painting houses that's I mean, what they're because, doing right because what can you do if you're like a, a, a rock star for a year then what do you do construction yeah <laughs> so it's i see i take hard your to point. wait tables i take your point but, about who yeah. has the gig yeah it's tough to wait tables when you used to be in poison but True. you know whatever <laughs> uh claudia i think uh, we were talking about this one time years ago when, when the band was first together and she was saying about how we had we had done a gig the day before and you know we got great applause and all this other stuff and, and she wasn't feeling you know now we're doing this I said you know Claudia look we're never going to have the limousines we're going to be on the stage one day and we're going to be cleaning toilets the next and that's just the way it is because we have to keep house you know and I think yeah. that I think that's just part of the the deal but the gig's always there yeah. i mean the right. gig isn't based on some yeah. you know some internet bubble of something it's right. just it's based on this sort of uh not sort of it's based on this realism this authentic yeah. long standing idea mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. it's yeah it's interesting cool so where do you uh, what, what what's next what, where do you where do you feel like you're going with this now you just you, i know it may not have sunk in but you came off of a tour of germany now <laughs> yeah i those are all good questions. You know, I still really love the orchestra and working with the orchestra, so that I hope will continue to be a big part of what I do. Let's take a couple minutes here. Obviously, we're gonna we, we're starting to wrap this up. We don't want to do this forever. The idea of the orchestra. You put this together a long time ago. It was started as your students, right? I mean, yeah. that was basically mm-hmm. the thing. Mm-hmm. You have fourteen, sixteen. Right now, no, no, maybe twelve. Okay, twelve. Yeah. But I mean, it goes it up. Goes and down. Back, it goes up and down. Yes. Right, and these are and uh, these are people who are are you know going to come and go to with the orchestra. I mean, mm-hmm. they have their lives too. Mm-hmm. Yep. Right. Mm-hmm. How many times oh, do you play? Once a month, or do you play once every three months, or do you play? You twice mean a month? play concerts or? Yeah. Yeah. Play, um, it, it's actually more seasonal. So we play a lot around the holidays because we have holiday oh, concerts. Sense, yep. Right, yeah. And then we play a lot around St. Patty's Day. Oh, that's logical. So then, <laughs> and then maybe a you know what. 
I don't push that much for gigs in the summertime because people are here, there, and wherever. It's not, you know, it's not like they're professional musicians, so it's not like they're around. So if I'm going to get a gig in the summertime, I have to make sure we have a quorum and there's enough people around. So at the same time, having gone to a couple of these things, I mean, they actually are beautiful. They're fun and interesting, and they're not. They're in no way. Uh, sloppy or mm-hmm. bad. I mean, mm-hmm. there are times where not everybody is maybe playing at at, at the same level. Well, <laughs> the same level of ability. Right, I mean, right, some right. people may hang out a song or two, mm-hmm. and that's okay. It's an orchestra, <laughs> right? No, I know, I know. So it's not it's not like going to see the Boston Pops, right. but 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 therein lies the beauty of it. And of course, everybody's got this sort of positive flow to just being there and doing mm-hmm. it and, mm-hmm. and being part of it and yeah. so that's a great thing um so is that really your focus now do you feel like that's where it is um well i i mean like what do you uh, yeah. want in a perfect yeah. world what would happen in the next couple of years well I, one of the things when i came back was that i realized how going on a on a concentrated tour like that really hones your musicianship to a certain extent and um within the orchestra we have an ensemble and right now there are four of us in the ensemble and so i posited to them that i said you know guys i think the ensemble should do a small tour because i think that'll just make better musicians of all of us and so they were on board with that so i want to kind of plan that for this coming year what would that be called what is the group Oh, well, I don't know. We just call ourselves the ensemble. I don't know. The New England Irish Harp Orchestra Ensemble. I don't know. <laughs> you know what I'm going to say. You don't have a band if you don't have a name. Yeah, that's You got to name your band. But, you know, it's funny. When we did the we, we did the, when the ensemble did the CD, we still just called... What did we call? I don't even know if we called ourselves the ensemble. You know, you're right. I don't know. We don't have any. No, but if but I get a, a name, the then I have to make up another website, Ron. And you don't, I don't have do to. That. You don't have to. It's all good. Just keep on going. All right, but it's it's a subset of the new it's England subset of that. Yeah. So Irish Harp Orchestra. So I came away with wanting to do that, and I also came away with wanting to do more solo stuff just to help myself grow as a musician. But I also see, like I myself, as a person who loves harp music doesn't necessarily want to go see a solo harp player for a two-hour concert. So I kind of have to, in my mind, figure out how I would do that. You don't have to play for two hours. Right. I mean, it's a little easier for me. Like, I've seen solo harp players that just play the harp, and I, I, that doesn't, just after a little while, even though I love the music, it doesn't appeal to me. But the fact that I sing and I can also dance, I think, could make the show a little more interesting. Well, sure, but it doesn't have to be you for two hours. Right. I mean, like you, the cool thing about one of the things we find in 2016 is that you can write your own rules. Like, you could say, we want to make it like the old Fillmore where everybody just plays for 45 minutes and then maybe we all come out and play on one song or whatever. Yeah, you know, yeah. you can do whatever you right. want. There is, There are no more rules. There are rules within certain little sets. Like, if you... If you want to get on a clear channel radio station and be booked by Live Nation, who is the same, you know, company, and you want to be <laughs> on, you know, MTV, which is owned by the same, all, all that stuff. Sure, I'm gonna have but, to get my hair done. But you don't. <laughs> no, but I'm saying you don't. So if really? you're not gonna do that, you can do whatever the hell you want. You could say, all right, I want to do a tour, people. I need four, three other acts to do the tour, and we'll do one local one wherever we are. Okay, so who's on board? You get two other two other acts. And then a couple of people will do these shows and we'll do these shows. And you get somebody else to complete all the management of it. You don't have to do it all yourself. And then you go do it. And it, you know, you want to replay it shows. Like you can literally do anything you want. You can do a pop up Irish music show 
you know, in the middle of Portsmouth off the back of a, uh, you know, out of the back of a van or whatever. Mm-hmm. You can do whatever you need to do to make that happen, you know, going forwards because now there are no more rules. You can right. literally do anything, especially with the way the internet works. You, yeah. you can generate a little bit of a, of connection and boom. But I get it. So so you're, you you can see that between the orchestra and the ensemble, it feels like you, you feel relatively satisfied that that's where your focus you is. You know, I mean, I, I do want to branch out a little bit of solo stuff, but, you know, that's... That's kind of the three pots that I want to deal with right now. So to bring it all the way around, the the writing part of this is more of an organic thing for you. It just happens because I feel like I want to, rec- you know, make this writing. You don't you don't sit down and say Monday and Tuesday mornings are writing mornings. You don't have that kind of setup. Mm. The only time I do that is when I'm preparing music for whatever season we're dealing. So so each year when we do our Christmas shows or we do our St. Patty's Day shows, I want new music in it. So. I have to isolate myself to do that. So um, I will do that. I'll sit down and say, okay, I'm going to orchestrate these pieces. And, you know, maybe with like with the Christmas stuff, I just always kind of wind up adding another piece of music to go along with whatever the Christmas tune is because, you know, it's not Irish. So I try and make like this year, you're going to laugh. We're doing a slip jig called the Snowy Path. And from that, we go into the Chipmunk song. So. <laughs> And the earnestness goes out the window. <laughs> so there's you finally <laughs> found iro- ironic Irish music. So there's a great story about that because I'm a, you know, I, the I don't know what song would actually sound okay if you didn't make it if you don't sing the words. Right. So so the funny thing about this was I don't know why I decided to song them. already a Christmas song. Yeah. Yeah. The words are Christmas words. They are. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, because it it's a Christmas. Song. It's a Christmas. Like song. if I if I'm just <laughs> thinking of the melody right now. It's like a wicked Christmas melody. It yeah. is a good, so, so two of the women in the orchestra are Jewish and had never heard of Alvin <laughs> and didn't know what we were all laughing There's about. So much <laughs> bigotry and racism going through this whole podcast. <laughs> so, so they had never heard of this. So, I said, of course, I bring it up, and I said, you gotta, you gotta see where this is coming from. So, they put it on, and, and we put it on. And they're listening to it, and they're kind of cracking up, laughing. So, next week, one of them, <laughs> this is your Christmas music. <laughs> So the next week, one of the women comes back and she says, "Thanks for putting that earworm in my head." Oh, it and, is. Yeah. And so, but then she said, she said to me something that I even the whole time I was orchestrating this, I it hadn't dawned on me. She said, "You know, Regina, that's a beautiful waltz." And I had to stop and think for a minute. I'm like, one, two, three, you know, one, two, three, one, two, one, two, yeah. And, three, and then I said, two, "You're right. It is a gorgeous one, two, waltz." Three, one. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Was it sitting on all the six and all that? It's got that old, you know, Andrew Sisters feel at the same time. It's that's a killer song. So then so then Claudia, I call, I, I told her she was doing something and I got I got back yeah. I got back from someplace and there's a message on my phone. She said, You have sunk to new lows using the chipmunk song. <laughs> she said, But you're right. The orchestration is gorgeous. It's beautiful. And you're not singing the song. No, we're not. Well, I'd imagine that if you played that in one of your shows. Without any indication, people mm-hmm. are going to love it and have no idea that you're playing the damn chipmunk song. <laughs> Is that correct? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ooh, that's a good idea. Do you have any shows coming up? Yeah, yeah, we do. We have the first one is this Sunday. We're down in Franklin, Mass. This will not be out by then. Yeah. So then after that, the tenth. Yep. The December, bur- December, 10th. December tenth. We're at the Burn. The Burn in Boston. The Somerville. In some. The burn is in Somerville. Yes. Gotcha. Sorry. And then th- the next day, the 11th, Fiddler's Green in Worcester. The 11th in Worcester. Worcester. 
Worcester. Worcester, Mass. <laughs> We're being in Worcester. Is that the latest show? When do you go after that? Do you remember? That's it for Christmas stuff. And then we do March stuff. Great. Wow. Mm-hmm. And in March, where will people be able to find you? We will be at, we're very, I'm very excited about this, the Kittery Dance Hall. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. And we're headlining else? that, actually? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's just the Irish Horror Orchestra. Yeah, but I'll bring in, um, I'll. Let me say, I don't mean just. I mean, no, no, no. What I mean mm-hmm. is you're, you're, that's that's the act. Yeah. Well, yeah, but we have, like, we have a fiddler that plays with us and and sometimes an Ilium Piper and yeah. a, a Boron player the whistle player and then for the dance hall i'll bring in the hopefully the john grimes um school of dance out of dover wow mm-hmm. talk about celebrating saint patty's day the right way <laughs> you got the whole thing you got, we got tons of harps you got all those other cool irish instruments actually if you've never seen in real life an alien pipe. pipe. Oh my god! Especially god. someone who's good, like who you're, you're describing. Patty Keenan, yeah. It is life fucking changing. Sorry about swearing. It's Most ex- difficult it's instrument on the crazy face. of Crazy experience. Imagine oh. a bagpipe that you actually wanted to hear. I mean, <laughs> like, it's you true. remember when it's Sting true. had that song and Branford Marsalis, who's my favorite saxophonist, stopped playing, and then that other sound came along. That it's. Crazy good! It's an amazing instrument. I know that originally, if you go back far enough, that wasn't a bag made of leather that they're that they're oh, no, it's squeezing. A goat skin. Yeah, it's a goat skin, mm-hmm. it's and there was skin. like goat bellies and stuff. And oh yeah, mm-hmm. it's primitive and unbelievably complex at the same time. So complex, so complex. I I've never seen like I don't even think a pipe organ is as complex as alien pipes because you have. You have the elbow that's pumping the the bellows, and Regina, then you have the elbow it, that's it, pumping the bag. Regina, old school pipe organs. You just got the slaves to go downstairs and pump it for. Well, you. that's okay, true. So. No, but I mean, I'm just the, just with the stops and everything, and that's then your feet and stuff like that. And then you have the you mean chanter. the act of playing it, right? Yeah, the act of playing it. Yeah, the chanter. They see with the Highland pipes, they blow into the chanter, but with the Ilium pipes, the air comes from the bag that one elbow is squeezing while the other elbow is doing the pumps. And then they can't get a D because they keep it on their leg. They can only get a D by lifting it up. Okay? Yep. So they're going, up, and then if they're really good, they have regulators on here. So they use the left wrist and they're pushing the regulators down that make cords while they're doing all this and this and this. Yeah, it's a super complex instrument. Such a complex instrument. Absolutely, yeah. It's it's really keening and really powerful and compelling. It's a it's a fantastic instrument yeah, all it's, around. It's but great. anyway, it's, I love him. And you may have one there in March. And we may, yeah. Kevin May, is this great. young, young That's great guy. Right. Well, this is fantastic. Uh, is it possible you have another piece of music? Sure. You want to give it a whack? You want to sure. play us out of here? I'll play out of here. All right. Well, we'll talk for a sec uh, while you go slide over to the thing. I'll turn the heat off so we get no sound. Yeah. That was beautiful, man, talking about all of those things. I had no idea that this conversation was going to go that direction. <laughs> <laughs> I thought we'd talk about, you know, some of your experience in Germany. Who knew you were going <laughs> to literally roll a doob out of your yeah. Woodstock tickets? I know you may not have done that, but as far as I'm concerned, you have done that. Uh, that's the story I heard. That is exactly what I heard, right? And if you, you're like, I'm like, all right, I'm like, hey, Briggs, we're going to Woodstock. And you're like, fuck yeah. And then we talk to our dads. Yeah. They're like, nope. no. And well, we're like, shit, number two, we're going to just smoke the ticket. Yeah. It'll you got, be like being there. That's exactly. 
Then you can get the three disc album afterwards. <laughs> you know. Yeah, exactly. You get the T-shirt. Yeah, I was yeah. kind Rub of was some there. mud on yourself and call it good. <laughs> Is that what it was? Mud. Yeah, it's a lot of mud. So uh, Regina's playing this absolutely beautiful harp. Uh, the harp that we're picturing here, that we're looking, if you if you don't want to look on the website, is a an Irish harp. So, or Celtic harp is that the correct word? Or well, um, you could think it's an, well, Celtic or Irish would be the word because the way the column bows out is very typical of Irish design. So people would look at that and say that's that's an Irish harp. So uh, this is the harp she's playing, but it's uh, smaller than what you'd picture as like the classical harp if you've ever seen the orchestra or whatever like that. It's different in that it's no pedals and all that. So basically you, you set it up on a certain key, uh, you tune it a certain way, and you go from there. Uh, it's We've been talking for a couple hours, so who knows how it's tuned now, but let's give it a whack. And uh, that's beautiful. What are you going to play for us? Uh, look towards the mics while you're talking. You can just look towards them. Yeah, that's great. Thanks. So... <laughs> You know, as I was talking about those dirgy A minor tunes. Yeah, I love these things, by the way. You know me, right? So, two, was, Leonard Cohen's gone, man. Uh, two years ago, we had this harper come over from Brittany. Um, Tristan Legovec is his name. And he was coming over and he was going to do a workshop with my folks. And I said to him, okay, Tristan, would you bring over a Christmas carol for us to learn? And I neglected to tell him, please don't make it an A minor dirgy Christmas carol. <laughs> so he brought the Coventry carol in because which everyone dies. That's exactly what he brought over. Oh, really? Oh, no, shit. I was making a joke. I'm trying to think. What's no, the... not the Coventry carol, no, no, but no, an right. A minor dirgy right. carol. Because the worst carol I can think of is the Coventry carol in which oh, everyone gets killed. But oh, anyway, go ahead. I mean, I don't even know if this thing has words, but right. it was just, I just listened. Oh, why didn't I tell him that? Like, oh, Cindy's getting up and singing another one. <laughs> Yes, yeah. yeah. And so I did the only thing that I'm able to do is I wrote a jig to go with it. Nice. <laughs> so That's beautiful. So does this have a title? Um, well, he taught it to us as Nadeleg, but then we think it's actually called Celebrate la Saison or something like that. I actually don't know. That doesn't sound Irish, Regina. No, that it's Breton. Kind of, it's from Brittany. Counts on a, which on is one you know? of the Celtic nations. So oh. we're okay. We're in. We're in the box. Right. 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 No, that's totally <laughs> fine. I get it. Well, it's beautiful. Uh, Maybe we. Thank you very much for this. We would love for you to play us out. Thank you, Regina. Thanks for having me. Go get them. <laughs> that's okay. No sweat.
Thank you.